the so-called safety of these drugs released by the FDA has been called into question by a concerned minority who feel the need to speak out against the malpractices responsible for the incredibly high count of medical drug-related deaths in the United States. Now, I don't know if you know, but there is this uh, very notable American pediatrician who is an advocate for ethical health care whose name is Barbara Starfield. Well, she drew widespread attention to a report that was presented in the journal the American Medical Association back in the year 2000, where it was estimated that the number of deaths related to pharmaceutical drugs was approximately 106,000 per year. And Barbara Starfield's mission was to make this information available to the public because the mainstream media was not doing anything like that nor taking the initiative to do it. So despite a high record number of deaths and injuries, neither the federal government or the legislative body of justice took any remedial action. There was this uh, more recent statistic that was borrowed from a report presented by the Institute of Safe Medication Practices that revealed that in 2011, prescription drugs were the leading cause for 128,000 deaths and 2 to 4 million serious, disabling, or fatal injuries. Now, this is very alarming, and this evidence that no real action steps have been taken in the last 15 years to address the core issue of FDA-approved drug safety is absolutely ridiculous. Not only does the death toll remain unbelievably high, the entire situation remains concealed from the public. But this report that I'm talking about was compiled by a bunch of bold investigators that were able to penetrate the FDA's private database of quote-unquote serious adverse medical-related events, and they further labeled that report one of the most significant perils to humans resulting from human activities today. So what we're faced with is a situation that has witnessed one million Americans dying in the past 10 years due to the negligence and the I-don't-give-a-crap attitude of the medical cartel. And it's really hard to believe what is more concerning, the sheer number of lives expended for bureaucratic profit 
or the fact that this information has been hidden from the public. But what is clear is that weighing mass profit over the lives of a multitude of innocent people is a genocidal crime. To the FDA and Big Pharma, the masses appear no different than disposable guinea pigs for the medical cartel to run their experiments on. When the FDA finds scientific fraud or misconduct, they don't notify the public. They don't notify the medical establishment. And they don't even notify the scientific community that the results of a medical experiment are not to be trusted. So the FDA, the Fraud and Drug Administration, repeatedly hides evidence of scientific fraud, not just from the public, but from its scientific advisors, even as they were deciding whether or not a new drug should be allowed on the market. So it was even a congressional panel that investigated a case of fraud regarding a dangerous drug, and they couldn't even get straight answers. And for an agency devoted to protecting the public from bogus medical science, the FDA seems to be spending a lot of effort protecting the perpetrators of bogus science from the public. So FDA-approved prescription drugs have been rushed to the market in as little as six months from their date of conception just so the industry can begin to rake in money before the absolute safety of those drugs are determined. And then you've got risky drugs like Fosamax and painkillers like Vioxx that were on consumer shelves that were just bolstered by aggressive marketing and rushed reviews that lied about their safety. And it wasn't long until the lethal side effects of those drugs began to rear their ugly head in the form of severe neuropsychiatric events like agitation, violence, nightmares, insomnia, and suicide, suicidal tendencies. So in all those cases of unforeseen problems cropping up with people who have been prescribed supposedly safe substances, the FDA and its partner in crime, the pharmaceutical industries, argued that the side effects of a drug can only emerge when tested on a much larger, larger number than the relatively small groups of people they sample in controlled clinical trials. Come on. Supposedly making safety clinical trials irrelevant? In other words, the FDA claimed it was impossible to predict how their drugs would affect each and every potential user in the population 
since everyone would react uniquely to the drug. So the FDA authorities, they've kind of neatly shed responsibility for harm done to the consumer by pointing to their disclaimer note, explaining that the adverse side effects may emerge. Come on, are you guys kidding me? So not only is the FDA guilty of releasing questionable drugs and misinformation regarding their benefits to the public, they have also waged aggressive campaigns of terror against natural healers, nutritional supplement companies, and other companies promoting holistic health for those appearing threatening to their monopoly on pharmaceutical medicine. And a really good example of this tyranny could be seen in the FDA campaign against the Life Extension Foundation. The Life Extension Foundation publishes information about the healing power of nutritional supplements and genuine anti-aging breakthroughs within the domain of natural health. In 1987, 25 armed FDA agents, along with a troop of U.S. Marshals, broke into the Life Extension Foundation offices in Fort Lauderdale and detained their leader, William Falloon, at gunpoint. The employees were lined up against the walls and searched. And over the next 12 hours, thousands of official documents were seized, including nutritional products and 5,000 informational newsletters that were about to be mailed off to the members and subscribers of the Life Extension Foundation. Does that sound real to you? In 1990, armed FDA agents raided and shut down an independent pet store pioneered by a woman named Sissy Harrington McGill for the crime of using vitamin supplements to keep pets healthy. Then there was a similar raid on a guy named Ken Scott who founded an independent vitamin business in a rural town called Mount Angel in Oregon. And the guy was accused guilty of selling nutritional supplements containing the powerful coenzyme Q10, which was known to promote cellular and cardiovascular health. Now, the guy, Ken Scott, was a passionate natural health advocate and educated his consumers by sending them news articles that described the benefits of his products in greater depth. So the FDA succeeded in shutting down his business with hardly any resistance. And these are the kind of raids that have been numerous and the cases touched upon the article that I'm talking about are only the tip of the iceberg. The scientific inquiry pursued by the medical cartel under the guise of a humanitarian agenda is nothing but bullshit. 
fueled mostly by financial greed and an impatience to generate quick bucks. The FDA, being a government-supported $20 billion a year empire, has been able to casually sidestep all acquisitions, all accusations pointed at them for being single-handedly responsible for creating a silent holocaust. Then the political leaders of the country, they haven't even revealed the slightest awareness of the problem. There are doctors that are aware of the statistics and the lethal impacts of psychiatric drugs who remain equally silent and continue to issue prescriptions for them. There was a woman, her name is Martha Rosenberg, from Truth Out, and she conducted this powerful interview with a former FDA drug reviewer whose name was Ronald Kavanaugh. And Kavanaugh bluntly exposed the FDA as a criminal organization with a, a conglomerate of mob strategies to protect its crimes. And the guy, Kavanaugh, described these as widespread racketeering, witness tampering, and witness retaliation. And then the guy said he was threatened with prison and that the safety of his children were also threatened and all of this being done to prevent him from speaking with Congress or collaborating with criminal investigators. This guy was one of the few people within the FDA who insisted that a drug needed to actually be safe before it was relieved, released. But his honesty, his integrity, was perceived as a threat to the FDA. So the guy's assertion that the drug Pyridostigamine was to be administered to the U.S. troops to shield them against the effects of Nergias was ineffective and actually increased the lethality of certain agents. That didn't sit well with the FDA. And these cases of censorship of the FDA's own scientists are increasingly rampant at the FDA. So there was a recent survey released by the Union of Concerned Scientists that the scientists at the FDA described the agency as an environment of intimidation, censorship, and scientific fraud. And according to that survey taken by almost 1,000 FDA scientists, 40% of them, which would be roughly 400 people, feared retaliation because of voicing safety concerns over the drugs being released into the market. And over one-third of the scientists didn't even feel safe voicing concerns within the agency to their peers. And this is because many of those scientists, like the guy Kavanaugh, are being routinely intimidated to alter their research findings to suit the political and commercial agenda of making money. And the survey revealed an incredible 18.4% of scientists who have experienced being asked for non-scientific reasons 
to exclude or alter technical data in their work. 61% of the survey respondents admitted to having knowledge of cases where the Departments of Health and Human Services have inappropriately injected themselves into FDA determinations or actions. And only 47% of the scientists within the FDA believe that the FDA routinely provides complete and accurate information to the public. So what we're dealing with, besides this silent genocide, is a classic case of government-fueled censorship of information. The oppression of valuable knowledge that if it fell into the hands of the people, would provide them with an opportunity for self-reflection and a greater degree of autonomy, loosening the reliance on the established bureaucracies and absolutely shattering the illusion of benevolence that they falsely report, that they falsely promote. So this is what's happening here, okay? People do not care about you. The big governments, the big pharmaceutical companies, the medical profession, they do not care about you. They care about how much money you have and how much they can get from you. You better take that seriously because if you don't and you don't try to make changes for yourself, you are in deep, deep doo-doo. And why do people take drugs? And why do people get sick? Because they eat crapola. Everything that has a face and a mother, processed foods, high fructose corn syrup. The list goes on and on and on. High oils, fatty oils that once you heat them up, they they, they go rancid. Don't you understand how simple it is? If you adhere to a simple diet that is 95% vegetables and fruits and grains, that are organic, even if you have to eat anything and had a face or a mother, use it as the garnish. Don't use it so it covers the entire plate. You understand? This will provide your body with incredible fiber, incredible nutrients, incredible vitamins, incredible minerals, because all the plant foods are the ones that contain all the essential vitamins and minerals. Okay, so what we have is that little kids that are born in America today are subjected to at least 56 doses of 14 different vaccines before they reach 18. And let me tell you, that's a lot different compared to what the kids got back in the 50s and the 60s. 
But the U.S., the CDC, the Centers for Deceit, Control, and Procrastination, are laughing all the way to the bank while waiting the arrival of some 271 more vaccines, which, when they become commercialized, will generate an additional $100 billion for vaccine companies by the year 2025, which is a short 10 years away. So vaccines for allergies, autoimmune disease, cancer, are all making their way to the development pipeline where they could end up one day on the mandatory vaccine schedule that the little kids are required to receive unless they opt for an extension before being exemption before being allowed to attend school. <laughs> it's all about making money and serving special interests. This is what the vaccine agenda is all about. And the CDC is in on the scam. And it's evidenced by these four federal studies that paint the CDC as a cesspool of corruption, mismanagement, and dysfunction with alarming conflicts of interest supporting its research, regulatory, and policy-making functions. So Robert, F. Robert Kennedy Jr. is the guy that is doing this study. And he put out a paper called Children at, at Risk, Vaccines, government, and big farms' dirty money. You understand? This is what's happening. So Kennedy has also warned of people like Paul Offit from the Philadelphia Children's Hospital a guy who sneaks his way into the CDC vaccine advisory board in order to push the vaccines or the vaccines for their employers. And in Offit's case, this pediatric whore recommended that his own vaccine for rotavirus be added to the CDC vaccination schedule, which later earned him, hey, come on, who cares? So the guy made $182 million in profit after he sold the patent of a rotavirus vaccine to Merck. Hey, come on. So it's a revolving door between industry and government. And it's having devastated consequences on, on our kids. Who cares? So what if autism rates are higher than they've ever been with one in 68 kids now diagnosed somewhere along the autism spectrum? according to the CDC. And then the chronic disease rates are skyrocketing, skyrocketing with, with being attributed to the injection of neurodamaging toxins like mercury and aluminum that are added to the, to, to the vaccine. So depending on the source you look at, there could be as many as 395 new vaccines in the development pipeline. There was a 2010 news medical article explaining that the vaccine industry scientists 
are busy testing all sorts of experimental vaccines on poor people living in the third world with groups like the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation leading the crusade. <laughs> you got to love it. So this exploitation of children living in developing countries has been taking place since the 70s with the least among us serving as human guinea pigs in this global vaccine experiment that embodies the very definition of human rights abuse. And in America, these same vaccines are being administered to children with no legal recourse at their disposal if they're harmed by the chemical cocktail. So basically, the vaccine industry money has neutralized virtually all the checks and balances that once stood between a decent pharmaceutical industry and our children. Vaccine industry immunity from lawsuits? Well, you know what that means? That means that there's no such thing as a safe vaccine. And this is where this is where we're at. We are actually living in a medical slavery. I mean, take, come on. You, you you sit there and you read a magazine or you look at TV and you're soaking up the pharmaceutical advertisements, but you refuse to question where their health really begins. Seriously. So the 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 handcuffs of the medical system are digging deep into the wrists of so many Americans who are chained down by a philosophy of disease management and bankrupting unthinkable drug costs. There was this data, new data that was revealed by, uh, it's called Express Scripts, that found that over a half a million Americans, are you sitting down for this? I think you're going to need to sit down. Pay at least $50,000 for prescription drugs. And these stats from 2014 also reveal that a staggering 100,000 Americans pay more than $100,000 yearly for prescriptions. <laughs> and those prices have tripled from the previous year. So overall, drug spending increased by 13% in 2014 alone. Cancer drugs have become the most enslaving, costing more than 100000 a year for patients who have been misled on the causes of cancer. So a pill to manage hepatitis C, can you believe this, a pill to manage hepatitis C, was listed as $1,000 for a pill, for one pill. And the study found that a cholesterol-lowering drug cost Patients fourteen thousand a year, and the drug for cystic fibrosis, fibrosis um, <laughs> came to a cost that exceeded two hundred fifty thousand dollars. Why doesn't anybody tell you that hepatitis C is can be reversed naturally? Why don't they tell you that? A thousand dollars a pill. A thousand dollars a pill. Okay. So, 
Well, Hillary Clinton thinks that the rising price of prescription, prescription drugs is motivated by profit. Duh! Oh, my God! You mean she's actually telling the truth for once? So her anti-capitalist views on the medical system and her belief that the government should price control the drugs would only perpetuate the dominance of an already controlling, restrictive medical environment that favors pharmaceuticals. So what she wants to do is she wants to put a $250 monthly cap for those who rely on pharmaceuticals. And this extension of the Affordable Care Act, oh, it sounds really kind and compassionate, but the bloated costs are only passed on to everyone who pays federal income tax. So basically, the shortcomings of this drug-driven system are forced onto everyone as a whole, perpetuating the problems with the medical system. So the true modality of healing, nutritional therapies, holistic lifestyles, energy work, herbal formulas, organic plant-based diets, and integrative practices for restoring the mind, the body, and the spirit cannot be sold in a prescription bottle and therefore do not conform to today's interventionist, non-prevention, disease management-based medical system. The failure of most drugs to heal should not be reason to blame free market capitalism. The failure of pharmaceuticals should open the doors to a more decentralized network of true healing modalities. For example, hospitals and doctors should not be taking money from the drug companies and pushing more pills. They should be coordinating at the local level with people who have firsthand experience in the healing arts. So why doesn't the healthcare system try to improve itself by following the example of people who have activated their body's innate healing abilities. It's because medical slavery is so commonplace because we are taught to look for health in intervention instead of listening to our bodies and understanding the causes of our health imbalances. So the more government gets involved in controlling health care, the more they endorse the pharmaceutical industry and redistribute their prices and failures, leading more people into perpetual medical slavery. Okay, the Affordable Care Act, ACA has commanded that people purchase health insurance so everyone can collectively pay for the bloated and enslaving prices of the medical system. So the government program tries to ease the cost of health care for all, but at the same time enslaves all of us to the mandate while legitimizing the entire system. Come on, you don't think health insurance is a scam? because it locks people into taking pharmaceuticals instead of encouraging preventive lifestyle factors such as vitamin D absorption, juice cleanses, 
consumption of clean water that is free of fluoride, heavy metals, and pesticides. Come on, man, the health insurance plans hardly ever cover anything tied directly to health, like organic diets or medicinal herbs. And the ACA simply subsidized the pharmaceutical industry and created a monopoly for people to be trapped in the drug-driven program. If the U.S. were truly a constitutional republic, as it should be, harmful, deadly pharmaceuticals would be put on trial, and the pain of those drugs inflict would be put to an end. And if, if this rule of law took precedence, the drug makers would be convicted time and time again for causing the deaths of people around the world. If Republic law was real, most pharmaceutical drug companies would be shut down. And until that happens, medical slavery will continue. It doesn't matter how much the government intervenes to control the greed of the pharmaceutical industry. Legislation and executive action will always perpetuate the influence that the pharmaceutical companies have on the people. I mean, just for example, how is the criminal organization Merck and Company still around today after being responsible for the deaths of people whose lives were devastated by their drug Vioxx? Come on, the list of these faulty drugs is long, yet the companies are still in business. Maybe they pay fines as a form of justice, but those fines are tiny little amounts compared to the money that they make when they hurt people continuously. <laughs> and this is what we're dealing with, and this is what we think is normal, and this is the brainwash. You know, you watch TV, okay, and you get a quack doctor that compares seatbelt safety in cars to the safety of vaccines as if the vaccines have never been tested for safety by the establishment or the vaccine industry. So in the same interview, another doctor exposes the chemicals in vaccines and lets you know that they've never been tested for safety or verified as effective. So there's many reasons for this. And you can learn what it is when a great whistleblower gets his day in court and the idiot box makes the mistake of broadcasting the truth. It doesn't happen very often. But the mainstream media does have holes. And this was a really, really big one. On CNN's program, Erin Burnett Out Front, a Dr. Jack Wolfson gave us the quick lowdown on toxic vaccines and how the whole industry has pulled the wool over the eyes of about 300,000 Americans for more than 50 years. So Wolfen said, what am I supposed to do that we're injecting chemicals? Oh, he said, what I am opposed to is that we're injecting chemicals into our kids. This is aluminum and mercury and 
acetylprotein. And there's antibiotics in there, okay? So Burnett retorts with some vaccine industry producer scripted one-liners to help America deal with this whistleblowing doctor and tries to reassure Americans they're going to be okay with their mercury and formaldehyde crap, okay? So the other doctor, who is a quack and a vaccine proponent, he speaks in the CNN interview about longevity and the seriousness of measles. But measles is often a simple illness accompanied by a rash and a fever. That usually goes away just like chickenpox. So in the Aaron Burnett interview, during the Disneyland measles outbreak hoax and propaganda-style scare, she tries to parallel aluminum and vaccines with aluminum hydroxide and antacid tablets. Okay, this, however, is not being injected into muscle tissue with other carcinogenic chemicals, so it's kind of a, a really bad comparison. Plus, lead is found in many food items and even medicines but nobody's going to inject lead into their veins and call it immunity. I mean, no one in their right mind would do that, right? So that certainly will not save lives and preserve health, like the CD claims injecting aluminum or mercury as thimerosal and deadly formaldehyde would do. So the clip with, with Wilson speaking is kind of hard to hear, probably because the YouTube doesn't want you to watch it, and neither does mainstream media or the vaccine industry complex. But they don't let the guys speak until they're at least five minutes into the interview. You know what I mean? So what happens is recently vaccinated little kids spread measles by shedding the live virus they've just been injected with. So to even mention that unvaccinated children shouldn't go to public schools during a measles outbreak is ridiculous fear-mongering that is just thrust upon you by a journalistic hack on MSM in the name of a for-profit industry, MSM meaning mainstream media, not the methyl sulfony methane, which is organic sulfur crystals, which basically prevent you from getting the flu ever. So anyway, so real and non-fraudulent studies have shown plenty of risks of getting vaccines. But just because the CDC says they're safe and effective, that doesn't refute the studies. We don't put pesticides in vaccines. If, if you want to make that argument, even though the pesticides show up in the processed foods, go ahead, put some Roundup in a vaccine. Tell us it's safe and effective. Then have all of Congress prove it by getting their children tested first. That ain't never going to happen. You know that. So you have to understand that aluminum greatly increases the toxicity of mercury. So all this caution about minimum mercury tolerance is underestimated. The CDC scientists and all the doctors are well aware of this. I mean, look at the Gardasil HPV vaccine given ostensibly to try to protect against the human papilloma virus, which is a virus manufactured by Merck 
and administered to children as young as nine years of age for a rare sexually transmitted disease. Sexually transmitted, nine years old. So it contains polysorbate 80, sodium chloride, aluminum, and a denatured, which is fragmented and weakened form of the virus. So do you wonder why so many little girls are going into anaphylactic shock after getting this aluminum-laced HPV vaccine? And then, to make it even worse, they say it has to be given to little boys. Are Are you serious? The boys don't have the organ in their body. Only the girls have the organ that creates the problem if there's going to be a problem. Why would they give it to little boys? Because they'll make more money. (laughs) Nobody gets it. You guys just, you think, I know you guys think I'm out of my mind, but I'm just telling you the truth. Do you know that more than 34,000 pesticides derived from about 600 basic ingredients are currently registered for use in the United States by the EPA, the Environmental Pollution Agency. Industrial agriculture, meaning about 75% of all the land used to grow in the U.S. to grow food or raise animals, relies on those chemicals to grow food. So where has this gotten us? Pesticide exposure causes farm workers to suffer more chemical-related injuries and illnesses than other workforces. And this has led farmers to suffer from organ damage and cancer, leading to lawsuits against biotechnology firms and pesticide-creating companies like Monsatan, or otherwise known as Monsanto. About 95% of the country relies on groundwater for drinking water, yet it is often contaminated by pesticides, especially in agricultural areas. And for most of the U.S., the toxic waste byproduct of the aluminum, steel, and phosphate fertilizer industries, which used to be disposed of in lead-lined drums as a toxic waste problem to the tune of millions of dollars a year, is now being put into the water supply to heal cavities in the name of fluoride. (laughs) I have to tell you, I'm one of the guys that's kept fluoride out of Hawaii's water supply. But ironically, the only water supplies in Hawaii that are fluoridated, you ready for this, are on the military bases. Otherwise, all the water in Hawaii does not have fluoride. So now what we have is pesticide drift. This means that in places like California, you can't take a deep breath without inhaling pesticide chemicals. 
So as a result, you got more babies being born with preventable birth defects. The University of California in Berkeley found that little kids are being exposed to pesticides even before they eat their first apple or munch on their first carrot, and that's because the chemicals are so prevalently used that they show up in their mother's breast milk. General population illnesses are on the rise, including asthma, autism, and learning disabilities, birth defects, and reproductive dysfunction, diabetes, Parkinson's, Alzheimer's, and types of cancer. So what we have is that most of our food is laced with pesticide residues that can't be washed off. Only organically grown food is free from that concern. Then the genetically engineered crops have developed that are developed and marketed to withstand huge amounts of herbicides and pesticides spraying are causing millions of acres of super weeds to grow as well as causing super bugs which are resistant to the chemicals they were created to destroy them. <laughs> and then the pollinating insects, which help to make sure we have a tremendous variety of foods, have been absolutely decimated by the chemical herbicides and pesticides. They got rid of the bees, they got rid of the butterflies, simply, and other pollinating insects are dying at an unprecedented rate. And even our ocean life is being contaminated by the pesticide runoff. So the fish, the crabs, the seals, the microalgae have been affected by the amount of chemicals we use to allegedly grow food. Agricultural practices that rely on this type of chemical addiction are stripping the soil of nutrients with unbelievable implications. They're devastating the nutritional value of crops. They're making dramatic changes at an alarming rate. And in less than a lifetime, to be specific, they're going to kill us. And as an example, there has been a 41 to 100% decrease in vitamin A in six foods are apples, bananas, broccoli, onions, potatoes, and tomatoes. And of them, the onion and potatoes saw a 100% loss of vitamin A in a 40-year-old span from 1951 to 1999. And despite these ridiculous and these horrendous and these concerns, the U.S. Environmental Pollution Agency gives the green light to a new concoction of health-harming chemicals used by big ag companies every month. So if 34,000 registered pesticides haven't been enough to grow food for the world, hey, don't worry, new and more dangerous combinations of these chemicals will, you know, hopefully magically solve the problem. So is it any wonder that people are turning to organic farming process practices and demanding organic, pesticide-free food? No, it's not alarming. It makes sense. But what doesn't make sense is when you go buy food and you look and you look at a label 
you can see what the fat is, what the salt is, what the sugar is, how many calories. You can read all the ingredients. You can read everything. Yet, Monsanto pays everybody off so you don't know if it's genetically modified. Because they say, hey, there's nothing wrong. It doesn't create problems. There's no problem with GMOs. <laughs> it's really safe, yeah. So if you if you go online and you put in, um, oh, God, what's um, her name? Stephanie Seneff, Steph, Dr. Stephanie Seneff, S-E-N-E-F-F, and autism. You want to put that in. Or Dr. Stephanie Seneff and cancer. Or just put in Dr. Stephanie Seneff. You will find a report by this Massachusetts Institute of Technology person that GMOs are killing us. And yet, the biotech industry says, oh, she's full of shit. She doesn't know what she's talking about. She is not getting paid off by the pharmaceutical industry. She's not getting paid off by Monsanto. She's not getting paid off by anybody. She's just doing an independent study. This lady has been on my radio show several times. She has come to Hawaii and given lectures several times. She is amazing because all she does is tell the truth. But yet, why, if you, if, if, you know how you can tell somebody who works for Monsanto and the biotech industry, if they're walking down the street and their nose is like three feet long out in front of them, you know that they work for a, a health-destroying company because they're always saying that it, their product is safe and it doesn't cause problems. And isn't that kind of what Pinocchio did? <laughs> I mean, we've got situations here. I called one of our city councilmen, Pinocchio. He got really upset. I don't know why he got upset. But we have a rail fiasco going on in Hawaii. Um, they they want to give us a rail system, which uh, I don't have a problem with the rail system. It gets more people to where they got to go faster because there's a lot of cars on the island of Oahu, and traffic is at standstill. But to go with steel on steel an antiquated system that is already approaching $7 billion in cost when they could go with something like maglev, which is just as efficient but more economical, that would never reach a billion dollars, that would maybe go at best six or $700 million. Which is better? Which would you rather have, six or $700 million or $7 billion? Obviously. You would want to go in the millions. But you know what? They never even allowed the people to vote on it. What they did was Councilman E. Kaika Anderson lied. In 2010 or 2011, he said, if we change from steel on steel, the government would take back their money that they funded us, $200 million. The... The agreement with the feds was not signed or written until 2012. So
So how could this guy say this a year before it was valid? The reason why he said it was, if you're in a process of $7 billion, do you think that the degree of kickbacks would be greater than if you had something for $700 million? <laughs> yeah, I'm telling you. So no matter where you turn, no matter what, and we've got a hearing coming up, I believe it's next week, and I'm going to go there and bring up that point, that why don't you, if something is going to affect the people, why don't you allow the people to vote on it? Just because we elect a politician, and a politician gets into office, and then he says, oh, these people were smart enough to elect me, but I'm smarter than they are, and I can make the decision for them before they, because they don't have the capability to render an objective, uh, forthwith decision. This is the way it is. And then, to make it even worse, guys and politicians, the federal guys are the worst, because they make quarter million dollars a year, and then once they serve in office for four years or whatever it is, even if they lose the next election, even if they retire, they get that same amount of money for life. They don't have to worry about retirement plans. They don't have to, they're exempt from Social Security. So why, you know, everybody in America has a job. How come it's not a job when you become a politician? Why can't they get a salary just like everybody else with a deduction for Social Security? And when they retire or when they lose an election and they're not 65, I'm using that as an example because I know the Social Security rates up to about 67 now, but if they don't and they're still eligible to work and they're not 65 and they can't get Social Security yet, why don't they just go out and get another job like everybody else has to do? Why do they just have to just take our tax dollars to support losers. I don't understand that. And then when they finally become 65, 6, 7, whatever it is, then they can file for Social Security and they can live just like the rest of us. Why are they special? They're not special. All they are are hookers for the chemical companies. And the people that make payoffs, like the biotech industry and all these people, this is all they're good for. So for me, we have a presidential election coming up. Hey, we elected Barack Obama, and that was an Obama nation. It turned out to be an Obama nation, right? That was the worst of the worst. Then we got Hillary Clinton. If she gets elected, she's going to accommodate Bill by bringing Monica Lewinsky back into the White House. So at least he's got some R&R that he can deal with. You know, the guy might be a moron. The guy might be the most bold, unbelievable dunce that could happen. But I can't see Donald Trump being any worse than what we've had for the last. 
12 years. <laughs> so I don't know. So anyway, I'm just pointing it out to you. You, you, not me, you, have to make a choice. And the only way you can rid your body of all the crap that's in it is by going on an organic and based diet. Get rid of your vitamins, get rid of your minerals, get rid of your supplements, get all rid of everything, and start taking organic sulfur. That goes first just about everything. That's what I did, and I'm healthy, and I'm playing ball, and I'm doing stuff that I never thought someone could do when they're over 77 years old. I'm in three softball leagues. I do stand-up paddling. I swim a thousand yards three times a week. I don't take meds. I don't have any illnesses. Nobody's special. So, look, I've got a couple of minutes here, maybe a couple of seconds. But let's do it to his thing. And that's uh, all next week. Hello, Radio Network is heard on Galaxy 19 at 97 degrees west, transponder 23, frequency 12115, audio PID 2595. AVR is heard on the left side audio channel, and AVR2 is heard on the right side audio channel. Remember, both AVR and AVR2 are on Galaxy 19. Same network, double the choices. Studies have shown that the farm soil we get our vegetables from is dead, meaning it is depleted of minerals. Sulfur is a mineral. Sulfur has been depleted from the soil, which means most people have been depleted of sulfur. Sulfur has been found to transport oxygen throughout the body. You need oxygen. You need organic sulfur. American Voice Radio Network has organic sulfur. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com and then to the Superstore to order your organic sulfur. It's your choice. Do you want to feel better or not? Don't forget to tune in to the Sulfur Hour Plus One on AmericanVoiceRadio.com, Thursdays, 6 p.m. Pacific.
Good afternoon, all. This is the Frank Report. I'm your host, Francis Stephan. You're listening right here on American Voice Radio. It is Tuesday, November 3rd, 2015. It's about eight minutes past noon Pacific time. That's when it is where you're at. We are, in fact, live. And being live, that means you can participate in the show. 800-932-1980, that is the toll-free call-in number, 800-932-1980. And you can also go to our chat room, which is located at our website, theamericanvoice.com or americanvoiceradio.com. You'll see the chat link. It's the four letters that spell out chat. It's like cat, except one more letter, so 
trying to just help you public school graduates out there figure out, you know, which word is chat. That's the one. And it's blue. Click that and, uh, well, you'll be in the chat room and real fun. Anyhow, you can uh, also contact me individually through Yahoo Instant Messenger. My screen name is AVRN Talk. And when you're on the website, you'll see we've got email and all that. So you can use that too. And there you have it. Well, today is Tuesday, and that means we've got Al from Colorado on for the lightning round. Welcome, Al. Well, Frank, where do we start? <laughs> How about the $43 million gas station? Did you see that one? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I did. Uh, that... Frank, any AVR listener who is still filing, it's your own fault. I am not going to tell you this not to file or not to pay. It's up to you, kids, but that's where your money is going, right, hey, Frank? Hey, Al, I don't know if you saw that, but $43 million for a gas station is kind of a deal because uh, the Pentagon yeah. is paying $400,000 Per helmet. Oh yeah, no, five hundred thousand, Frank. I oh, think it was. was okay, it four I read five? four. I, I read four hundred. I read four hundred. Oh, four hundred grand for the helmet for the F thirty five, which is a piece of garbage. Well, it doesn't even fly right, so you know they got to have helmets, yeah. and they got to be four hundred. Well, Frank, it's only toilet paper, <laughs> hey, Frank. And it's only one helmet. I mean, you're getting a whole gas station for forty three million. Hey, that's a deal. How many helmets does it make to take a gas station, Frank? Uh, you know, Al, it just, oh, you man, know, I'm telling you. really people on both of these counts, both of these counts, Afghanistan's a little more obvious, but where's all that money going? It's corruption. That's where it's going. Going in somebody's pocket, too, Frank. You can, you can bet your bottom dollar on well, that Well, that's one. what I mean by corruption. It's yeah. going somewhere that uh, you know. It's like okay, what do you? Well, who's getting this money? You know, I mean, it yeah. does. Everybody in their right mind knows it doesn't cost forty-three million dollars to build a gas station. So where's the rest of the money going? Everybody yeah, in their right mind knows it doesn't cost four hundred thousand dollars to build a helmet, helmet. No matter how cool it is, I don't care how cool it is. Nothing. No helmet costs four hundred thousand dollars. Hey, remember the four hundred dollar hammers and the six hundred dollar toilets. Remember those ones? Well, finished? sure. About- and, and, you know, and th- that was easy for people to say, now, wait a minute. Oh, but wait, Al, they floated. Oh, is that what it was? That's what they the said about the toilet seat. The toilet seat floated or the hammer floated? Which one was it? Well, right? the, toilet the toilet seat. Floated. That, that oh, was the their excuse. Oh, the toilet seat floated. No, Al, I remember that because I was following that going, oh, my gosh, this uh. is unbelievable. And their excuse was, well, this isn't a normal toilet seat. This toilet seat floats. Oh, wait a minute. They had a real good deal on coffee makers for one of the, I don't know, was the airplanes or something? <laughs> yeah. Eighty-five grand for yeah. one of those. Eighty-five thousand for a coffee maker, Frank. It's, it's uh, you know, uh, what do you say, Al? I mean, what do you say? I, I think know. you said I, it. You know what? Uh, what I say, Frank, <laughs> is I'm not donating anymore, and I haven't donated well, that's in the last the thing. 30. You know, and really people need to get it in their that's head. That's all they need to do, Frank, and that's how you shut it down. And say, look, that's it. You people, you don't follow the law. As a matter of fact, you don't only not follow the law. You break the law. You break the law. You waste the money. Uh, you've ruined the country. Everybody around can look and see that, okay, look, things are not better than they were 20 years ago. Things Wait a minute, are you're bringing worse. all these people in here, Barry, and you're going to make us pay for them? Huh, Barry? Yeah. Huh? 
Yeah, bringing the Syrians in, the Ethiopians in, the Somalis. Who else are you going to be bringing in? Well, wherever else we bomb, that's what we do. Oh, we oh, run around, okay. destroy their country, and say, "Oh, now we have to bring, let them come here because oh, they're refugees." Now, well, they're, why are they refugees? Yeah, oh, because yeah. we're the ones who made them refugees. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, we bombed them into the Stone Age, and now they're refugees. So, hey, Ma and Pa USA, you've got to move over for these guys because, well, they're refugees. Well, it looks like Barry has set a new record for lying, said we weren't going to have any boots on the ground. And where was it, Syria? 3,000 more boys going to die for Barry now? He Hmm? won the Nobel Peace Prize for yapping his... No, he got the Nobel Peace Prize for being peaceful. Isn't that what he got the Nobel Peace Prize for? Being uh, peaceful. For flapping his little purple lips about how he's going to pull, uh, you know, troops out of everywhere, and we're not going to do this Bush War anymore. And it's we've got more wars going on now. Now he's about to have a war with. Well, pick it. Is it Russia or is it China? Not only do oh, they yeah, have boots yeah, on the he's, ground uh, now. He's sticking his uh, nose in the face of China right now with the boats, with the ships and stuff. Yeah, because they built an island in their ocean yeah he doesn't like that you know what i mean we should just look at a map and see what's the name of this place oh the south china sea yeah gee you would think if it's named the south china sea china yeah, would have some claim their to china it. it might be there it might be their water oh uh, yeah but uh barry uh, wants to uh, breach the 12 mile limit i guess is what he, he wants, wants to breach to a thousand mile limit I mean, well then he doesn't belong there barry the liar you know and all they uh. did all what did they do they they piled a bunch of rocks built an island so they could put you know uh airstrip there so what they're protecting their... That's their business, what they do in their own dirt well, and or their own water. They're protecting their interests, man. They're, they're putting their planes there out in the ocean saying, all right, look, we're not going to build an aircraft carrier. We're going to build an island, and uh, we're going to have our planes That's here. Right. That's where our base is. We don't need to build an aircraft carrier. That's right, because, island, because we're not running around the world attacking everybody. We're That's just de- right, Barry. <laughs> you know, we're just defending ourselves. It's insane, and they got a problem with that. It's like, well, hi, what do you think you're doing? Well, yeah. Barry's got to stick his nose where it doesn't belong. We well. have to control the world, Barry, the Empire Builder. Well, I'll tell you what. Oh man, I'll tell you what. November of next year can't come. Fa- Actually, January of seventeen can't come fast enough. Right? Well, you know, I mean, if you look at Bush, now, right? He he attacked Iraq. He got that whole thing going. He got the whole Afghanistan thing going, right? So that's Bush. You know, you got to give it to Bush. He started that, and yeah, that's he his started problem. that garbage. Yeah, but, he did. But what's worse, Al? I mean, going in Iraq and Afghanistan, chances are Iraq and Afghanistan are never going to really put the hurt into the United States, okay? But no. you start. You start this same crap with China and Russia? What are you thinking? Hey, you're talking about the big boys, some big boys club now, uh, Frank. You're going to get your nose bloodied real bad oh, for this, yeah. this thing here. Because you know what else Barry just did? What I was just reading it an hour ago that now he sent F-15C fighters to Turkey. And the they they are not armed with anything... For ground attack, they are dog fighting machines. These are to to fight other fighter aircraft. Now, who's the only oh, so other there's one? There's no bombs or missiles on them. Just uh, just cannon, in other words. Well, missiles. The they got guns. missiles and machine guns on them. And the thing is, who else has an air force in the air in Syria? 
Uh, sounds like uh, Mr. Bear, Mr. Putski Bear, huh? Yeah. So, you know, the thing is, it's like Barry is sending these planes there because there is nobody else to have well, a dog fight with. He well, thinks he's going to send these think, F-15s think, over there to fight uh, with think, the Russians. Uh, I think the Bears' uh, planes might uh, be better than our planes, from what you're telling me, Frank. Well, you know, the F-15, you know... 30 yeah, years like ago. It's like a 40, it's a 40-year-old uh, yeah. vehicle, Frank. 30 years ago, 30 years ago, it was king of the sky. But, you know, okay. Well, just, if he's going to send anything, you're going to send an F-22. Yeah. Minimum. Well, <laughs> yeah. I'd, be, I'd feel a lot better in F-15. Yeah. The well. F-22 is almost as big a junk as the F-35. That's why they stopped making it. It's like, oh, well, we got to have something else, so the F-35 instead of the F-22. because well, The F-22's got faults to it, too, but it's still a better plane than the 35 is, though. Well, it flies. Yeah, so that yeah. makes it better right off the bat. <laughs> a plane that doesn't fly really isn't yeah. very good, and uh, that's the yeah. F-35. But, you know, the thing is, though, Al, yeah. look in the last 30 years, the advancements in, just say, electronics. Yeah. You know, do you think maybe the Russians in the last 30 years have made some improvements? Because their planes are brand new. They they actually fielded a new generation fighter. They've got a new plane, and we don't. Well, this F-35 is supposed to be the newest piece of garbage uh, that Sammy's uh, well, wasting our money on. And it's a stupid, it was a stupid plan. Yeah. They did it stupid. Yeah. And it, I, I really believe the F-35 was just all about greasing everybody's palms. Not coming Absolutely. up with a good plane, a but greasing everybody's palms. Uh, they're trying to make one, one size fit all things. Uh, taking off vertically going from an aircraft carrier, going this way, going that way, and uh, too many cooks spoil the broth, Frank, I think is the... Is the yeah, uh, and they don't want to make any... We just want to make one plane to do it all. That's, that's right, yeah, yeah. N- never mind that we've spent trillions of dollars just in Iraq and Afghanistan. Forget about new planes or any new equipment, <laughs> just the money we- we've pissed away there. Well, you know, Al, think about this. I mean, didn't you ever hear... The old saying is where, you know, if you try to do too many things, you end up not doing anything very well. Yeah. Jack of all trades and master of none. Is that what you're trying yeah, to say? Yeah, exactly. You know, and, and the thing is, so when you're talking about national defense and something as important as air superiority, yeah, you would think you would go, well, okay, we need, all right, look, we need uh, air-to-air combat vehicles. Yeah. Which was used to be the F-16, which, yeah. you know, is the little sports car that, you know, that's the thing yeah, that fights well, the other planes. Old, old technology, as they say. thing and is, though, the and then, okay, is, we're going to have to attack ground targets, too. So, I don't know, in my mind, Al, we need two planes. Oh, wait a minute, Frank, you haven't heard the best. Remember the B-2, the bat plane, the bat wing? <laughs> yeah. That's going to be replaced with a new $80 billion stealth bomber, Frank. Oh, boy, good, yay. Eighty more billion, Frank. Only just only another eighty billion, and North American Grubbin got the uh, got that one. And what's this look uh, like? Does this look like the bat wing too, or is this it's another like bat wing that they're just going to waste more money on, Frank? It can be shot down because it has the top speed of maybe six hundred miles an hour. Maybe it's as fast as a seven forty-seven. That's it. Maybe that's it, Frank. It's not a supersonic bomber. No, it's not. Wow. 
Eighty billion for the new. Sounds like they're going yeah. backwards on this, Al, because well, six hundred miles an you hour. What, Frank, uh, you know, huh, you know. Sorry. On top of all this, Barry uh, Merkel is taking uh, lessons from Barry. She's going to bring another million refugees into uh, Germany, and the uh, Germans are ready for the pitchforks. Yeah, they're about ready to string her up. I think she needs to be strung up along with uh, Barry and a few other boys and girls. Well, too. you can look on. Uh, hey, even Drudge. His head, his headline thing: Germany sliding towards civil war. Well, you think they're a little po'd, Frank? You think? I mean, that's uh, you know, wow. Uh, hey, I hope so, Frank. Maybe it's time for the boomers to see. The problem is they don't have any boomers, though. Frank. No, they don't. But see, that's kn- their problem. Yeah. Well, they know who does, though, Al. Oh. You know, I mean, really. You know, they know well. who does, and uh, they'll just take theirs. Well, I'll tell you what's going to happen. You're going to see a lot of uh, dead immigrants. You're going to see people. Oh, they are saying something. It was something last week on Drudge about immigrants are disappearing now. Isn't that interesting? I don't know if you saw that one. Or huh. not. Disappearing. Literally disappearing. Eighty immigrants went to a town, and all of a sudden, whoosh, maybe somebody's getting the message they don't want these people, Frank, huh, you think? Well, yeah, I mean, you know. Well, hey, look, I, I really... I kind of feel bad for the immigrants because they really are being used as pawns. I mean, here comes the United States, well, it's, and we it's, blast it's a their plan, country. Frank, well, it's, we bl- it's all being planned, though. They're, sure, they're, this is being done deliberately. Frank. But not by them. Not by the but immigrants. Not by them. I mean, like you said, they're the pawns. Hey, man, they're sitting in their house one day, and the United States rolls by and bombs the whole town, turns their life into it rubble. Says, let's get out of here. We can't stay no, here. No, they don't anymore. just say let's get out of here. Here's the U.S. going, hey, we got a boat over here. You want to get on here? We'll bring you to Europe. We'll bring you to the United States. What kind States. of idiocy is this, Frank? Well, it's, you know, it's obviously planned. And for it's whatever reason... It's not really and, idiocy. It's an absolute planned chaos. I'm telling you, Al. And do you read what Soros said? He said that... I saw that, something uh, about it. I didn't see the whole thing. I, I glanced at it. Yeah, what, his, what did he say? His six-point plan... He says, well, uh, you know, people say that the immigrants are the problem and, uh, you know, uh, blah, blah, blah. Well, you pay for them then, George. You want to pay for them, George? You're welcome to pay for them as long as we don't have to pay for them, George. And you put them up and you put houses with them. Well, bring them in. Bring them to his house. You know, I yeah, don't want them around Yeah, bring them to George's me. house. That's right. You know, look, I mean, I, hey, I got nothing against people living their lives wherever they live and doing whatever they want to do wherever they live. But I don't want to yeah. be, you know, I don't want them around me. It's just like I might think, okay, maybe Donald Trump is, uh, you know, the best out of what we have. That doesn't make him any good, and it doesn't mean I want him as my neighbor either. You know, it's just like these people. Yeah, but he's got one thing right. He wants to send them back home, and I agree with Donald. They don't belong here. You can't speak English. Everybody who came here, Frank, most people who came here came here the right way. They came here legally, and they didn't have welfare back then. Well, that's true, but you know what? You ask, uh, you know, I don't know, uh, you you think he's going to be, let's just say Donald gets in there. Do you think he's going to be able to do that? I know one thing he's not going to be able to do. He may be build a wall. He may build a wall, but right. Mexico isn't going to pay for it. No, that's no, he, no. I mean, I don't know why people even buy that thing. I mean, you know, he makes he makes some statements that are just uh, whatever. The thing about the Ford plant coming back, that was a bunch of garbage too. They've already decided to build a plant here, Ford. Well, yeah. 
So but, that I mean, but, he makes statements that people don't fact check him on. He's made a bunch of statements. But you know what, he's Al? Still the, he's still the best. He's still the best of what's out there. Well, yeah, I know that's the sad part. You know, I've never been a real fan of Donald Trump, but I have to admit, he out of the garbage that's running for office, he's the best piece of garbage running. Absolutely, uh, which is very sad. When well, he will turn into a politician, and I guarantee you uh, uh, his daughter married a Jewish person, and he will continue to support Israel, continue to send money to the Israelis, Frank. Well, That's a given. I'll well, be surprised if he sh- I would If Donald does two things, or one of the two things I'd like to see him, he and foreign aid, total foreign aid. Well, you know, the thing is, Al, Anybody who gets elected is going to be friendlier to Israel than Obama. They have no choice, so they're not going to get elected. Well, and they're going to be friendlier than Obama has been. Well, maybe that's one of Barry's only good points, if you want to say something about Barry having one good point. Well, you know, it would be a good point, but then he wipes it out by supporting Iran. I mean, they're both bad guys. Well, what good is that, then? They're both bad guys. Well, you know what? They did the swap or, you know, the Iran deal. Why didn't he say, hey, you want your money back, you give us all the people back. Now Iran has another hostage now, another American hostage. You know, just crap. what I don't get is, like, we're, like, how many hundreds of trillions of dollars in debt, and, and uh, we're, we're making deals with these countries, giving them money? Wait a minute. We shouldn't be giving them anything. Why, are we give, why did know, we is, ever give anybody you know, is, foreign is, aid in the first place? Nobody in that cesspool... Of the Middle East should get a dime from this country. Hey, after World War II ended in September of '45, there should have never been a Marshall Plan. You guys build it on your own, out of your own money, if you have any money left. Well, we never you know, should have rebuilt Germany. No, no we way. never should have rebuilt Japan. None of these people. Well, you know, at the time, it was a good deal for the United States, also because it boosted our economy. It gave us, you know, because who do you think was rebuilding Germany and Japan? It wasn't the Germans and the and the Japanese. No, it was our it was our construction boys. That's doing. right, and they were making good money, and they had jobs, and and back here we were having hey. to make steel and concrete and everything else to well, ship over you there. You know what? Once you get rebuilt, that should have been it. That, that oh, it should have been, been, no been it. after that. It's like, hey, look, sorry for turning your country into rubble. We rebuilt yeah, but it. you guys started it anyway. Remember right. who started it? Well, I don't say. know. You know, it was kind of the bankers suckered everybody into yeah, it. Yeah, well, they did. Uh, yeah, and Roosevelt and Churchill were uh, kind of behind Pearl as well, too. Kind Pearl of, Harbor yeah. Well, and, and we already also, know that. You know, so the thing is, it's like, but hey, okay, now it's all rebuilt. See ya. You know, that's it. Yeah. Now, that's it. Uh, you no know. No more foreign aid. Now you're on your own. Now you make your own stuff, guys. And, and being so foreign, to, and you know what, Al? Not one country. Well, okay, one country, and I happen to know this. Uh, one country, only one country on Earth, and it took it took a lot of years. But one country on Earth actually paid back their World War II debt to the United States. Only yeah, one. Yeah, your mom's home country, Finland. Yeah, Finland paid it back, but France, England. None of them. None of Europe paid back anything. And now here we are sitting, what, $200 trillion in debt, giving foreign aid to these people still? It's, it's, Something's you know. wrong with that picture. Yeah, well, something's going to be real wrong with it because I'll tell you what, this is, can't go on because uh, this debt cannot be paid. I want to see what happens with the merchants, Fred. I just read something in this morning's uh, net, Frank. It's going to be a real nasty Christmas here. Real nasty. Oh, you think? Yeah, well, Frank, guess what? 
The stores, you, you the mean the stores are getting, aren't no, going to be Frank, packed? you think the sheep are deciding to say, hey, guess what? I'm not putting any more money on that piece of plastic. I can't pay what I got now. Yeah, I Why think everybody's any... broke, and they don't get to just, uh, oh, hey, well, let me just uh, get another card, because they won't give hey. me one. Al, cool. Al, you know what? Now, now we're going to go to break here in about a minute, but I want to, yeah. I want you to yeah. think about this. Yeah. Now, you understand how the monetary system works, and you understand it's kind of a Ponzi scheme where new people always have to come in or the thing falls that's apart. Right. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And you know that money is created not out of thin air, but by people creating it by making debt. Because they consider debt assets, right? Like yeah, when you well, go sign, do, yeah. when you go sign your little credit card, and you say, "Well, uh, okay, I'll sign for that thousand bucks." You look at it as debt. They look at it as an asset that they can turn around and now uh, loan out ten thousand dollars through yeah, their fractional or bank or, or whatever it is. They got thirty okay. bucks in the bank and they loan out three hundred. Yeah. Thing is, though, Al. We've been hearing for years that, ooh, Americans are tapped out. They're at the end of their credit line. You know, they can't get any more credit. They're all, you know, they're credited out. Their their credit cards are maxed. They won't get any more. Their credit scores are down. Yeah, and they're still giving them more credit on top of what they owe. Well, they, they have to. But They have no choice of the system about, implodes. Think about the illegal aliens. You think, I bet in their little mailboxes, they're getting all these free card offers and they're taking them and they're signing up because, you know what? The Fed needs them to be creating them assets. To keep the scam going. 62% of all illegal families are on welfare. 62% of them, Frank. All that counts as an asset. It's insane. It's an insane economic system. Yes, it's break time, folks. It is, and we'll be back in just a few. Everybody stay right where you're at. Now 
keep falling towards our ending day. People realize their body needs clean water to function properly. Pure is the cleanest water, also known as distilled water. Some frauds pushing fake science and ignorant people repeating their disinformation and half-truths will tell you distilled water leaches minerals from the body. What they fail to tell you is distilled water only attracts and flushes inorganic minerals from your body. These are minerals your body cannot process and can interfere with your proper body functions. Distilled water does flush these inorganic materials from your body and is an effective and natural way to cleanse your body. ABR sells a distiller that distills one gallon every three and a half hours. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com, click on the Superstore, go to the distiller, check the pricing and how to order, and watch the video explaining in detail why distilled water is pure water. Ancient prophetic texts warn us that in the last days there will be wars and rumors of war, famines, pestilence, earthquakes in many places, and troublesome times, men fainting from fear from what is coming upon the earth. Even though these words were penned almost 2,000 years ago, we can readily see that this dire warning is applicable in the days in which we are living in now. Days of Chaos, a new book by L.A. Marzulli, exposes what is happening in the Middle East, the Fukushima disaster, the mysterious animal and fish die-off, the rise of the 8.0 and greater earth the coming one world government, the collapse of the U.S. dollar, UFO activity, and so much more. Days of Chaos has the information you need in these troublesome times. Don't be afraid of these events. Come to an understanding of why they are happening as they were prophesied long ago. These are the Days of Chaos. Go to www.lamarzuli.net. www.lamarzuli.net. These are the Days of Chaos. running out, jobs leaving the country. Many people cannot afford to eat or keep a roof over their head. Too many can do neither. Messiah's Branch has a mission church in Wichita, Kansas that helps the victims of this banker's economy, the American people, your neighbors. The mission is the last hope for so many Americans. We need your help to lift up the poorest of the poor. These are men, women, and children who once had homes, now in the street. They all need what you need, first aid, beds, food, clothing, and so on. You can send a monetary gift or a box of necessities to 230 West 4th Street, Florence, Kansas.
6-6-8-5-1. Or donate online by going to wichitahomeless.com. Or simply call 316-619-4886. Oh, come on. <laughs> This is the Frank Report. I'm your host, Francis Steph, and you're listening right here on American Voice Radio Network. It is still Tuesday, November 3rd, 2015. It's about 1240 and a half out here on the Pacific Time Coast. If that's when it is where you're at, we're live, which means you can call in 800-932-1980, 800-932-1980. You might notice 800 is toll-free. You can also go to the website where our chat room is located and participate in the chat room. You can ask questions, make comments. People are in there doing that right now. You can also just chat with them if you'd like. TheAmericanVoice.com or AmericanVoiceRadio.com is the place you want to go. Plus, everything you will need to know about this network is there. And if you get there and go, uh-oh, no, no, I want to know things that aren't here, that's what I got email for. Anyhow... You can also uh, contact me directly if you want to participate in the show or basically any time during the day. It's really the best way to contact me because, well, it has flashing lights. And that, you know, gets my attention so I know there's a message so I can actually respond to you quickly. It 
is Yahoo Instant Messenger, and my screen name is AVRN Talk. So there you go. There's all the ways. And uh, it is Tuesday, as I mentioned, and that means we've got Al from Colorado here for the lightning round. Welcome yes. back, Al. Yes, I know you're crying that Bonehead is gone, and now we got Paul Ryan. Yeah, well, you know, which is worse, man? <laughs> I mean, really, Al, which is worse? Yeah, I mean, well, you know, you're just going to replace one prostitute with another, Frank. There's no change there. I'll tell you, man, the Republican, you know what, the 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 fact is, the Republican Party cannot be fixed. and the Neither re- of them can be fixed, Frank. No, I mean, the Democrats, forget it. That goes without saying, right? Come on. I mean, but the thing is, I mean, <laughs> does the Democratic Party even have, like, a moderate wing? Or are they just all, you know, leftist socialists? I mean, really, Al, look at their, look at their two frontrunners. Bernie Sanders, the avowed socialist, and Hillary Clinton, the closet socialist? No. Yeah. I mean, really? Well, who who's, is there any moderates in the Democratic Party? John F. Kennedy would have been, well, he wouldn't have been allowed in the Republican Party at this point. I'm no. sorry, you're too conservative. Get out of here. He was a Democrat. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, really, Al. Yeah. What but, are you going to do? Well, the Republican, but the Republican Party, see, you know, they have two wings, okay? They have conservatives in there. People yeah. are saying, hey, this is crap. We don't want to do this. But then you've got the mainstream, the majority, the entrenched Republican Party that is, well... You mean the rhinos, you mean? Is that yeah, what you're referring be, to? And the, the rhinos. And the reason why they're called rhinos is because they are the moderate wing of the Democratic Party. That's where the moderate wing of the Democratic Party is. Is They call themselves Republicans, except they're rhinos. Yeah. What are you going to do? Well, split yeah. out of the Republican Party and start your own party. We could have three yeah. parties. How about I mean, getting rid of all parties totally? Oh, I'd love that, Al. I'd yeah. love that, Al. You want to run for president? Go ahead. Yeah, I don't know. But, but you here's a good no fact, Frank. Here's a wonderful fact. You, you know how you many know what? You can have a party. You can have a party after you win. Yeah. How's that? You ready? You ready for some real fun facts here, Frank? How many languages do you think are spoken oh, in this country? Gosh, I saw that. It's like over three hundred. Three hundred and fifty more than three hundred and fifty. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, do you wonder wonder why, Frank, that this country is in the condition it's in with three hundred and fifty different languages? Well, and Al, you know what? It's a big country, and I don't mind having people speak in a lot of languages here. It's just... But the, not in public and for business, oh, Frank. You're care. out in public, you speak to somebody who can understand you, Frank. You do oh. your business in, in English, Frank. Look, you Al, do your voting in English, Frank. Well, sure. I, 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 now we're... Ah, see? Now, the United States government should not print one document in any language but English. None. Absolutely. Nothing. And no, 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 no. No free translator for you. You want a translator? Go buy one. You know, there's people out there who take your money and translate stuff oh, for no, you. Oh, no, you don't get to vote. You have to vote in English, Frank. You don't get to vote in You've got to do everything in English. You've got to take Everything your... is... The... Yeah. If you want to speak your native language at home, behind your four walls, I don't have a bit of problem Al, with that. you know what? I don't care if you want to open up your own business and speak your own language and let the people that speak your language come to your business. If you if you got enough people like that around, fine. I don't have to go to your store. You can do whatever you want in your store. 
That's true. I don't care. Well, what if you got something in your store, Frank, that I want and I can't understand you? Then I can't buy it then, can I, Frank, if you can't understand me? That's right. That's right. Uh, well, okay, Al, look at what McDonald's did. Now, they're trying, McDonald's, because, see, they don't want to admit the truth. But what happened, really, it's not because everybody wants to eat healthier. That's why they're not going. It's my McDonald's is losing billions of dollars, right? Yeah. The reason why McDonald's is losing billions of dollars is because they decided, hey, we're going to get a black CEO. And that black CEO decided we're going to advertise to the black community, meaning all oh, commercials. So in other words, he, 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 he compartmentalized himself into the black community only. He alienated everybody except the black community, okay? Because okay. he's got all these gangbangers in his commercials, and, and people are going, yeah, okay, I'm associating McDonald's with a bunch of black gang members hanging out there. I don't want to go there. So How stupid was that, Frank? Oh, yeah, well, you know, he's a black guy. This is what they think. Oh, hey. But now, see, McDonald's alienating all the white people with money. They're uh -huh. left with the black people who come in and buy a soda and sit around and use yeah. up the free Wi-Fi. Not to wi mention that their food is crap and makes you sick anyway. Who would want to eat that garbage, Frank, knowing what we know? Anybody uh, who uh, at uh, least knows what they're selling, okay, Frank, come uh, on. there you go, see. Hey, Frank, Wait you wouldn't even feed McDonald's to the studio cat who isn't even with us anymore, Listen would you, Listen now, you just said something important. People who know what we know, the black community in general doesn't know doesn't anything. Know. Okay. So they don't know. They just feel it's good food, and they can eat it, and it's fairly cheap. They look at the TV and see other black faces and say, let's go there. Hey, and let's then they go to McDonald's. All our buddies are there, so but let's do you know go what? and but, eat that garbage. But Al, they're, not, they're not buying hamburgers and stuff. What they're doing is they're coming in there, buying a soda, and sitting there and sucking up the free Wi-Fi. This is why McDonald's is losing billions of dollars. Good. Let them lose. Let them go under. You know who else is going under? Which I was very surprised because they cheated in New York City. Whole Foods. Yeah, I know. With their garbage. Good. People are catching on that they're a bunch of liars. They're That's not, right. They don't got any Whole Foods at that store. I've gone into Whole Foods, Frank, and I even read the labels in Whole Foods as well, and half of the stuff in the Whole Foods has got... Well, see, that's the thing. You you call yourself calling themselves organic. Yeah, you call yourselves Whole Foods, and then you sell crap. You know, it's like, wait a minute, people catch on, because you see, your clientele are, you know, now look, McDonald's just betted with their black CEO that the black community would be able to support McDonald's. Well, they can't. They don't have enough money. Mm -hmm. They can't they afford don't have McDonald's. Either. Have you seen the menu? Oh, I drive by because they've got that big menu board out yeah. in this one parking lot that I go to the hardware store, and there's a McDonald's there, and they've got their board there, and I glance over to see the prices. How much is a plain, just a regular hamburger that used to cost 15 cents, Frank? What does that cost now? A plain hamburger. It's like a dollar something now. And I think they put them on sale for 99 cents. You know, those crap hamburgers with the pickles. They used to be 15 cents when we first, they first started, Frank. 15 cents, and now they're over a buck? Well, it's one little <laughs> bun and a lousy little stinking piece of mystery meat with a pickle on it. That, that's all it is. They're and that's a hamburger. buck and a quarter or a buck and a half? Yeah, something like that. And I, think they, and I think they put them, those on sale sometime for only a dollar. How much is a Big Mac? Four oh, man, that's bucks? like four bucks or some four four dollars. Get out of their minds. For a Big Mac? <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh, oh yeah, man. Quarter, in the last quarter pounder with years. cheese, same thing, man. 
No, really. Uh, you want a hamburger, a bi- a decent, normal-sized hamburger? You know what? I'll go to Burger King, and if I'm going to pay some money, at least I'll get a Whopper if I'm going to pay some money well, for it. You right. know what I'm saying? That's right. But, you know, I mean, their meat's not any better. But, you know, they haven't gotten out there and alienated everybody. See, and that's my point, though, Al, with businesses. Yeah. Look, if you want to speak Farsi in your store... Fine. Go ahead. If you think there's enough people that speak Farsi to support your business, hey, have at yeah. it, man. I don't care. I'm I'm good with that. I don't need to go in your store. You know, I can go somewhere That's right. else. That's you know, right. I, I'm fine with that. But I'm not fine with the federal government or the state governments printing out all their instructions on how to get free crap in other languages. You we know, had a governor here about ten years ago, and they were the state of Colorado was printing up leaflets or pamphlets on the Colorado taxpayers' dime, sending them to Mexico and telling them to come here for the goodies. Boy, that's nice, huh? I'm not making that one up, Frank. <laughs> I mean, that's. I'm not making that one up. They were literally sending pamphlets down to Mexico telling them to come up here. And you know what, Frank? We catch you hiring illegals. You're out of business. I have no idea. You know, I have no That's idea. That's what needs to happen, Frank. We're taking you over. We're taking all your assets, and we're going to put that money into the U.S. Treasury. Yeah, I have no idea what to, you know, even say about that. I mean, because it's like, you know, really, you're sending, you're, <laughs> you're, Matt, you're Frank, you know, I am not making that one up, Frank. You're I sending really flyers to Mexico to invite foreigners up here illegally yeah. to get to get taxpayer. Free to stuff. get goodies. To Even get though it's not up. really taxpayer, because, you know, if it was taxpayer anything, they wouldn't be borrowing all this money, huh? Well, Frank, number one, you and I know that they don't need to tax anybody. They can print all the toilet paper they want. You made a statement, uh, Frank, about six months to a year ago, and saying that the money that we're paying into the federal or into the Gestapo is going to pay. None of the stuff that they spend is coming right. from our tax dollars. That's right. And where, is it, where are they getting it from, Frank? Because they're not bringing in that kind of money from the imports, exposed, um, imposed excises and duties. They're not bringing in that kind of money, Frank. They're, they're servicing the, the interest with the taxpayer money. So nothing is going. So when they built, so when this $43 million gas station really didn't come out of Joe Taxpayer's pocket then, did it? No, it really didn't. It really didn't. You know where it came from? It came from Joe Sixpack signing away credit cards. And uh, creating assets for these banks, and that's who—that's where. Oh the no! When he bought created. no, when he bought no, when he bought tires for his car, or sure, he bought whatever. food at the store. Yep, that's where it came from. Yeah, it's you know, it's a, it's a, it's an insane system. It really is. Well, it's, Frank, it's crazy. the market is continuing to go up. When is the when is the bubble going to burst, Frank? We had that thousand point drop. What about a month ago in one day, and then they brought it back up. Remember that thousand point uh, drop? Oh man, yeah, I have no idea when, but it, it just—they're trying everything out because if you notice, you know, everybody wonders. Well, okay, we've got our problems here with, uh, you know, the Mexicans, and now you know they are shipping in Muslims, but. Europe, oh, yeah, everybody's coming here. Europe really has a problem with Muslims. I mean, they're... Well, wait a minute. Well, this thing with Merkel bringing in a million uh, uh, refugees into Germany? Yeah. 
This one town had 105 people, and now they just added another 700 to a town that only had 105 people in it? Yeah, so you got that ain't going to work, Frank. 105 Germans and 700 Muslims. Yeah, that's going to work out real well, isn't it, Frank? You know, and that's going on all over Europe. France is also saying, okay, enough's yeah. enough. You know, that's it. We've had it. And but, England, too. But why? Why? Because, you know, you'd figure, hey, okay, so you're in Syria, you're in Iraq, and the U.S. comes in and bombs you to rubble, and you go, well, i got to go somewhere else. Where's the, mm-hmm. where's the, the most sensible play? Well, hey, I'm going to go over to Saudi Arabia. they got plenty of money. they got plenty yeah. of room. Hey, and they're Muslims, too. They're going to like me. They're not gonna, That's where they know. should be sending them all. Let them send all to Saudi Arabia as long as they don't send them here. Yeah, but they're not sending them there. Why? You know why? Because Cause hey, they want to cause trouble, Frank. The Europe, well, that's a, I think that's a sidebar. But the European banks are the same banks that we have here. They need people creating debt. They got to have it. Al, they're running well, out they're, of money. I think, Frank, everybody ought to apply for a credit card and just run it up. That, didn't you talked about that, Frank? Everybody gets their credit card, run it up, and don't pay it. Oh, I, everybody. I I would. I would suggest that to anybody. You know what? Uh, your yeah, your your car insurance is going to go up a couple of bucks because your credit rating will go down. And you know, Al, that's another thing. How does the insurance companies who are selling you insurance based on your driving record? Why do they get to raise your rate because you have a bad credit score? What has that got to do with your driving? What is getting a ticket for speeding? Not, not that you had an accident. Okay, you got a speeding ticket. Why does that raise your rate? You didn't cause any damage. You didn't ruin the car. Why are you getting it raised because you sped? That's a bunch of garbage, too. Well, at least they could say, well, at least it has something to do with driving. Whether well, I don't it doesn't pay- matter, but you didn't cause any, You didn't cause them to have to pay out because you sped. You I know, didn't but cause they an could accident. It, okay, I, I get that, but they could at least say, yeah, but Al, you know, you're being irresponsible and you're driving irresponsibly, and you could have caused a wreck by going too fast, so we're going to raise your rate. I get that. I don't think it's right, but I get it at least. But mm-hmm. okay, Al. Gee, Al, you know what? Terrible logic, you though, didn't Frank. Pay, you didn't pay your uh, credit card. Uh, so we're going to raise your car insurance rates, Al. Now, what yeah, that not doesn't paying... make any sense. What does that have? One, that's apples and oranges, Frank. One has nothing to do with another, Frank. That's a that's, bunch of that's total garbage. Apples and giraffes. That's not even in the same. In the same, they're not fruits, even, man. I mean, this is like, wait a minute. What does me not paying a credit card have to do with my insurance rates? Do you know, it's just a punishment. That's all it they is, They figured out a way, and their twisted logic. They're going to come to the same thing as because you sped. You could. Oh, because you didn't pay your, um, because you didn't pay your credit card, you're going to do something that's going to cause you to have an accident, Frank. Not paying your bills is going to cause you to have an accident, and we're going to have to pay out. That's their twisted logic. And why is that? Because I'm so worried about my bills that I'm not concentrating on driving? Is that it? Yeah, or something like that, Because yeah. if I run a a credit card and don't pay it. I don't give a damn. So you know, I want to know. I'm not, who lent, I'm not a danger there. Hey, Frank, who lent the dumbbell students money to go to the universities and get brainwashed? Was that Sammy that did it? Then Sammy should take it in the uh, shorts. Well, who okay. lent the money? Who lent the money to the kids, Frank? Hey, look, is what I want. Well, it's it goes kind of like the Fannie Mae Freddie Mac deal. It's not that they loan it to you, okay? The federal government doesn't actually loan it to you. The banks loan it to you, and then they sell that to the 
federal government, and the federal government. Oh, now so the Fed has got the debt instead of that the banks loan the kids the money. It's is what just you're like telling. any other loan, Al. It's like the, it comes from the bank. Okay, it does not come from the United States government. It comes from the bank. But uh-huh, the Uni- then let the banks go under, Frank. Uni- That's what ah, I said. But the United States government made a deal with the banks and said, every student loan, we will back. If they don't pay, we'll pay you. As a matter of fact, you just give us that, we'll pay you now. How about okay, that? Okay, then I'll- let the banks pay. The- let the government pay the banks, and then everybody tells the government to go stick it. Well, that's right. That's what you should know, be and, done. And, hey, that's what needs to be done, well, Frank. Well, you might get your wish because these kids cannot afford to pay back their debt, so they got no choice but to tell the government. They to stick say it. that the student loans outstrip the credit card uh, debt. Yep, that's how it does bad the now. It does and the now. cars too, and even the cars. Yeah. The debt on the cars. It does now, Al. It's insane. Hey, because Frank, how many I years they... now? How many years now have we all told our kids, well, you know, you got to go to college. You got to go to college. You want to get a good job, you got to go to college, right? Oh yeah, I was told that back in the 60s. If you don't go to college, you're going to be stupid and you're going to work for $2 an hour the yeah, rest of your me life. Yeah, too. You know, and the thing is, I didn't go to college and that's not what happened. I so, went to hey. college and flunked out. It was the best thing that ever happened to me. <laughs> there you go. You see now though, at least when you went in the 60s, if you came out of a school, even with a, you know, a bachelor's What, a degree, B.A. or a B.S.? Yeah, yeah, a B.S., yeah, that's a good name for it. But, I mean, you, yeah, know, it sure is. you come out with one of those, you really could go get a decent job. Now, yeah, yeah. they laugh at you. It's like it's it's like you got a high school diploma. Yeah, big deal. Everybody's got a B.S. So what? <laughs> Who cares? You still can't read, you moron. Hey, Frank, there's people with masters who can't get jobs. Yeah, I know. I, as a matter of fact, I had a guy who teaches. As he's in the chat room and he teaches, uh, 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 what is that? Uh, masters uh, in business. Uh, uh, M-A-B- MBA. M- yeah, no. MBA. He teaches classes for that, and he said, for well, MBAs. a master's ain't what it used to be. Uh, now it gets you an interview. It doesn't get you any jobs. Mm-hmm. And a lot of debt. And a lot of debt. Oh, it gets boy. You a lot of debt. Even more than a regular college. <laughs> hey, Al, oh, we are out boy. of time. Look at that. Wow. That was a quickie, Frank. It sure we'll was. We'll see you next week. We'll see you next Tuesday, Al. Thanks Bye-bye. for being on. Folks, I got to go. Coming up next is Financial Survival. I'll be back again tonight. We got a full, 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 full day coming up. We got Financial Survival next. Then we got Bo Greitz. Then we got Jay Shanahan with Condition Critical. Herb Talk Live, Covenanters Call, and American Independence Hour, where I'll be co-hosting with Aladad. So, stay where you're at, and thanks for listening. I heard it through the grapevine, my new neighbor don't like my big red barn. A 47 Ford bullet holes in the door broke down motor in the front yard. <laughs> I gotta have a mind to paint a plywood American Voice Radio Network is heard on Galaxy 19 at 97 degrees west, transponder 23, frequency 12115, audio PID 2595. AVR is heard on the left side audio channel, and AVR2 is heard on the right side audio channel. Remember, both AVR and AVR2 are on Galaxy 19. Same network, double the choices. Since the beginning of the United States, kings have sought it, nations have fought for it. It has been traded, borrowed, purchased, and stolen. There is a reason for it. To secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity. 
Invest with the security of gold and silver. Call Discount Gold and Silver Trading at 1-800-375-4188. That's 1-800-375-4188. Listen to Financial Survival with your host, Melody Cedarstrom, on American Voice Radio Network and Shortwave Radio. Visit DiscountGoldAndSilverTrading.net or call 1-800-375-4188. That's 1-800-375-4188. For the very best in gold and silver trading, call toll-free 1-800-375-4188. That's 1-800-375-4188. Call now. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm Melody Suderstrom, and you're listening to Financial Survival. I am here with my co-host, Alfred Addis, to bring you our opinion and commentary on today's economic and political events for Tuesday, November 3rd, 2015. Good afternoon, Al. Hi, Melody. Gold had a tough day today. Looking at it now, it's down 16.30 in the aftermarket New York spot price at 11.18. Silver down 14 at 15. 1537 had a little bit better recovery than uh, gold did not by much but a little bit platinum down fourteen dollars at nine hundred and sixty seven and palladium was down three at six hundred and forty nine remember yesterday palladium got beaten up down over four percent on the day so uh you have the usdx today much stronger today point two six at ninety seven seventeen and crude oil was up strong, 1.79 at 47.93. Paper markets today, um, I mean, <laughs> they're just going to go. I saw an article today. It wasn't an article. It was an advertisement for the Dow Jones at 31,000. Know, that might po- that just might be possible, you know, in the next year with uh, what's going on coming from the White House and so forth. But uh, let's see if it gets twenty five thousand first. The Dow was up eighty nine at seventeen thousand nine hundred eighteen. The Nasdaq was up seventeen at fifty one forty five, and the S and P was up five at twenty one oh nine. Ten year yield two point two two percent. Up 0.03, and the euro is down 0.44, but still at that 110 level. European markets, um, really no changes. Japan was down 2%, you know, 391 points. But, you know, Japan is Japan. How much more stimulus is he going to uh, uh, do? And, uh, you know, it fails to accomplish much. Um, So... 
We've got a little article on that same subject from Financial Times that we'll get into before the program's done. I don't know if you want to do it right now or oh, not. Yeah, may as well. Uh, here it is from Financial Times. The headline is, Bank of Japan considers more easing. <laughs> it says, while the U.S. Federal Reserve contemplates a finely balanced decision about whether to raise interest rates in December, <laughs> or 2018, they didn't actually say 2018, I did. But its Japanese counterpart, the Central Bank of Japan, Bank of Japan, um, is being forced the other way. Last Friday, the Bank of Japan decided to leave monetary policy unchanged, but it also revised down its inflation and growth forecasts and pushed back its expect expectation of hitting the 2% inflation target to the end of next year. In other words, they're a little over 13 months from now. <coughs> Apparently they thought they were going to get it to it around now, and they said, no, maybe it'll be next year. It seems likely and indeed desirable that the Bank of Japan will be forced to expand its program of quantitative easing before long. Now, these are the words of Financial Times. It seems likely and desirable that Bank of Japan will be forced to expand its program of quantitative easing, which essentially means they're going to push more money into the economy and try to inflate prices and thereby stimulate the economy. The Bank of Japan goes, or excuse me, the Financial Times goes on and says, disappointing outcomes do not mean that the Bank of Japan's combination of inflation target and using quantitative easing has failed but that the needs that, that it needs to be more enthusiastically pursued. See? Just because it hasn't succeeded up till now doesn't mean it's not gonna work. We just have to more in, in pursue it with greater enthusiasm. And that doesn't mean you have to get a horn and a party hat and rest that sort of thing and maybe ride a faster horse. What they mean more enthusiastically pursued, it means you need to pump more fiat currency into the economy. All right, and try to make more inflation. It's a question of magnitude. <clears throat> Financial Times continues, the Bank of Japan can and should contemplate going further. And my point is, even though quantitative easing has failed to stimulate the Japanese economy for most of 20 years, even though quantitative easing has failed to stimulate the U.S. economy for the past six years, beyond perhaps preventing a crash, but we didn't get much positive benefit out of it, and even though quantitative easing appears to be currently failing to stimulate the European Union and Chinese economies, that's no reason to believe that quantitative easing doesn't work, is it? After all, it's conventional wisdom that if at first you don't succeed, try, try again. Of course, it's also conventional wisdom to say doing the same thing over and over and hoping to get a different result is the definition of insanity. So, Elodie, which of these conventional wisdoms do you think is most applicable to Japan's current situation? Try, try again? Or the definition of insanity? What are they doing here, Melody? Both. <laughs> yeah, both. Yeah, maybe. It's not a matter of try, try again. I mean, well, it's, they have no version. options. So, yeah, I mean, they have no but options the, but to keep doing what they're this doing. Is where, this is where the real point goes. This is the point to it. The, the article continues. When you say they have no options, there's even greater... Well, they greater... do have an option, but they won't take that one. Like what? Will you continue with your article? For one, the, pres the practice of extending target dates 
and for hitting the goal of 2% inflation does not reassure investors, households, and companies that the bank is doing whatever it takes. In other words, every time the bank the bank can't say, okay, we're going to have 2% inflation by the end of 2015. And then when we don't get it, they say, okay, we're going to have 2% inflation by the end of 2016. And if they don't get that, okay, we're going to have 2% inflation by the end of 2018. And the article says extending these target dates for hitting gold 2% inflation does not reassure investors, households, or companies that the bank is doing whatever it takes. And my comment is that no. Extending target dates does not diminish public confidence in believing that the bank is doing all that it can do. It diminishes public confidence that quantitative easing works and therefore diminishes public confidence that the central bank has any tools at all that even could work to repair the economy. Extending target dates, uh, dates is not an admission that the central bank hasn't, hasn't done enough. It's an admission that the central bank is helpless to solve the problem and therefore is not in control of the economy. And that diminishes public confidence in the system. There's a problem. They're saying, oh, just setting these back. You need to just do more quantitative easing. That's the solution. And the lesson is that quantitative easing doesn't really work. And if it doesn't work, what does? And that's a very big question. What works to stimulate, to put the economy back on track? And we'll touch on that before we get done here. Um, <clears throat> Haruhiko Kuroda, the Bank of Japan's governor, has a point that inflation rates have been pushed down by lower oil prices. But the weakness of real consumption, which fell by four-tenths of a percent in September a year earlier, suggests there remains serious problems generating domestically driven demand and inflation. But what are those problems? We can all sit back and kind of say, yeah, there's some kind of economic problem going on here, but what is it? All right? One measure might be uh, that might provide an immediate boost to growth would be to permit higher immigration, relieving Japan's chronic labor shortage. Foreigners make up three-tenths of a percent of Japanese labor force and lower among uh, the lowest among advanced economies. Mr. Abe has uh, so far shied away from this politically explosive area, and that's, of course, because the Japanese, they aren't going to take anybody else in their country. They have... They are ethnocentric to an extraordinary degree, and they are shutting down schools. They're not producing enough children. So what are they going to do, invite others into other, other, other races to enter their country? No. They're shutting down schools because they don't have enough kids to fill them. It's evidence of a nation that is prepared to die rather than, at least for the moment, they're prepared to die rather than allow foreigners to enter into their country. Now, <clears throat> the Financial Times article says, nevertheless, it cannot be up to Mr. Kuroda and his colleagues to get Japan's sputtering economy up to cruising speed. All right, he means that the Financial Times are admitted, they are implicitly admitting the obvious. The Central Bank of Japan 
and its quantitative easing programs have been proven to be incapable of reviving Japan's stagnant economy. If quantitative easing won't work, if quantitative easing can't work, what will? Should an economic depression be viewed as the result of economic imbalances and distortions? Is that why we have depressions? We're talking about we have serious problems, but what are they? And how are they going to be resolved? And are the problems making a, a depression more likely? Or is it possible that depression should be, <clears throat> in, in other words, should an economic depression be viewed as the result of economic imbalances and distortions? Or is it possible, it seems like a crazy idea, but is it possible that an economic depression should be viewed as the cure for economic imbalances and depressions? Huh? Is an economic depression really a disease to be avoided or a remedy that flushes, it's like a giant national enema that flushes the crapola out of our political and economic system? Do we have so many imbalances and so many stupid things done by Washington and by ourselves that the only way to revive, to bring us back to some sort of sanity, we need an economic depression? Is that possible? I won't argue that it's true, but it certainly seems like it might be possible. Could it be an economic depression is the only viable cure for economic imbalances created by our government and monetary systems? If quantitative easing won't work, if quantitative easing can't work, is the only remedy for the distortions we see in this economy right now, is the only remedy an economic depression? Not a disease, not an adverse consequence, but a remedy, kind of like taking a big dose of castor oil. What do you think, Melody? Is there a silver lining to an economic depression? Well, I think these countries are trying to run their economies as they once were. And when we have globalization to the degree that we have with all these trade agreements and what worked yesterday is not working today. Yeah, I know. And you do have to reset these countries and, and the, these economies and the, these monetary policies. And you do have to get out of throwing this the, the stimulus, throwing money down a rat hole. It's not going to change anything. Um, so so, you know, these, countries, these countries do have to be reset. And, I mean, I, and you know what? I was reading today about Switzerland, and they have deflation in their country, but they have something that they choose to call good deflation. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's working for them. And certainly they still have their problems, but they recognize that their country isn't going to be what it was you know, 10 years ago or 15 or 20 years ago. Uh, they're, you know, their position not to, uh, their GDP has dropped and they've accepted this. And um, so it's interesting, interesting to see how deflation for them is good. You well, know, deflation is good for some people. And, and it has worked. It's good for creditors. I mean, they have... They Terrible for borrowers. It's great for creditors. You get paid back. If you do get paid back, you get paid back with dollars that have more, more purchasing power than the dollars you loaned. But it's terrible for debtors because they have to pay back with more expensive currency. Everybody who's bought a house has been, and virtually everyone has heard someone tell them that you'll be able to pay off your debt with cheaper dollars because they expect an, an inflation. That's great for debtors, borrowers. But it's terrible for creditors. 
So this is one of those teeter-totter things where what's good for the goose is not good for the gander. Uh-huh. And the question is, how long can we te- keep doing what's good for the goose without doing something good for the gander? And that's what we've been doing. We've been saying, oh, we're going to have inflation, 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 and keep robbing creditors. Well, now we're getting a little deflation. Creditors are perhaps beginning to catch up on the losses they've experienced in the past. But you know. So I'm not so sure that this deflation that they call good for Switzerland is a long-term uh, solution to you know their problems. I mean, they were one of the first who were op- offering negative rates. Their dollar got they since they pulled away from the euro. Their their franc uh, has become very strong, and um, so how do they we get do into have... inflation and deflation in the first place? You know, one of the things I saw I read an article back some time ago. I don't recall when, a year ago, maybe more. I don't remember, but they pointed out that the price of most items in, I don't know, the late 1800s, perhaps even early 1900s, were virtually the same as the prices were back when this country started in the late 1700s. We'd had flat prices for just about everything. They were steady, first century. Now, I'm sure there were exceptions, but nevertheless, according to the article, prices were basically flat. Why? Because we had prices denominated in gold or silver coin. Mm -hmm. Our inflation and deflation problems are a function of a fiat currency that has no fixed value. And somebody's always messing with it one way or another. And I would say that all of you got a problem with inflation, you can talk to the guy who gave us fiat currency and debt-based and a debt-based monetary system. Got a problem with deflation? Same people. They're the ones that have done it. It's that debt-based monetary system. It's that fiat monetary system. That's what lays the foundation for both inflation and deflation and gives the politicians a certain amount of control. Gives the Federal Reserve a certain amount of control. They can give us inflation for a while and rob the creditors, or they can give us deflation for a while and rob the borrowers. But somebody's going to get robbed. And that's one of the fundamental realities of that fiat currency, debt-based monetary system. Somebody's going to get robbed. When you had gold, that was not true. They weren't being robbed by the government in the sense that we're talking about right now. Let's take a break for some commercials. Melody and I are here on Financial Survival, and we'll be right back. Please stay tuned. aspirin mistake. Aspirin was discovered by mistake during World War II and suppresses your immune system and prevents blood clotting. Don't expose your body to risk when you can use a natural inflammation and pain reliever called Extra Strength Pain Relief by Apothecary Herbs. Discover the power this formula has with salicin to enter the system in 60 seconds to work hard and relieve pain for 12 hours. Whether it's arthritis, sports injury, or flu, you can relieve aches, 
pain and swelling with our extra strength pain relief formula. Call Apothecary Herbs now, toll free, 866-229-3663. That's 866-229-3663. International callers dial 704-875-8010 or order online at the 3w.thepowerherbs.com. Prices have increased over 40%. Energy prices have increased over 20%. Wheat and gas prices have increased over 70%. What's going to be next? Do you see these trends reversing or even stabilizing? All fiat currencies have always failed and collapsed their economies on their way down. The Roman Empire, China, France, Argentina, Finland, Mexico, Russia, and Zimbabwe all tried fiat currency and all collapsed into chaos. Meanwhile, the dollar has lost over 97% of its gold value since 1971 when an ounce of gold was valued at $35. If your assets are in paper, you are in danger. Protect your assets with gold and silver. Visit Discount Gold and Silver Trading at DGSCoins.com. That's DGSCoins.com or call 1-800-375-4188. That's 800-375-4188. Protect yourself and your family. American Voice Radio Network is heard on Galaxy 19 at 97 degrees west, transponder 23, frequency 12115, audio PID 2595. AVR is heard on the left side audio channel, and AVR2 is heard on the right side audio channel. Remember, both AVR and AVR2 are on Galaxy 19. Same network, double the choices. Hi, folks. I'm Alfred Addis, here with Melody Cedar, Strong on Financial Survival, brought to you by Discount Gold and Silver at 1-800-375-4188. What's next, Melody? I want to continue through with our special $25 face value of 90% quarter, so you would, would receive 100 coins, an AU $5 Liberty gold piece, free shipping. It's all included in the price, and we got to get you guys going out there buying these specials. We're going to include a free Silver Eagle at the same price as yesterday. So a free Silver Eagle, 90% quarters, $25 face value, which equals 100 of them, and an AU $5 Liberty gold piece, all for the low price of $700. Give us a call, 1-800-375-4188. Visit the website dgscoins.com dgscoins.com and make sure you sign up for our weekly newsletter and listen to the radio programs that are archived there on a daily and weekly format thank you we have James we have Jim from West Virginia calling good afternoon Jim how are you fellas doing can't complain oh this is excellent well, the way I hear it, some politicians are saying, oh, in order to fix the economy, you, the people, will have to bleed yep. in a recession. Yep. Mm-hmm. Now, and once again, the elephant's being ignored. We were once a nation of producers of wealth. 
Mm-hmm. We took things of little or no value, increased server value as a result of human endeavor. But now we have become a nation of sellers and scammers and predator parasites. And the biggest parasite predators are found on Wall Street, the Washington, D.C. area, a number of state capitals, and the Federal Reserve System. Now, I'm going to tell you folks out there that if we don't have enough of what we want and need, okay, I've used the phrase, I'll hit it again, food, fuel, fiber for clothes, materials and tools to build things, finished goods and services, things people are willing to buy. If you're not producing any wealth anybody's willing to buy, you are feeding off of the other people. You are consuming what others have produced. And the producers are getting bled down so far that when the producers fall down, all fall down with them. Now listen, if you're working for the government and you're not producing wealth, you are consuming it. And the only way to reverse all this is to reverse this process, put people back in the private sector where they produce real wealth. Right now, what we have is a situation where the government is cramming security down our throat, and by golly, we're taking two-thirds of the money in the economy to produce this security for you. Now, is that ever going to happen before we have big crunches? I doubt it seriously, but you need to know, folks, If you're working for the government and the Federal Reserve note starts failing, you ain't got nothing to offer the world to barter. You're going to be in the worst position. All you paper, filthy rich paper people, when the paper goes, guess what? (laughs) You lose. So I'm just trying to wake people up to the elephant in the room. I can remember way back in the 60s and 70s, and one of these days I'll do a diatribe about the corporation issue. But way back then, the question was raised, I think it was a, some newspaper article, probably a Wall Street Journal or something, and we're talking about the fact that so many governments were corporations. Oh, we did that so it would be easier to do business. So the bottom line is that we have all these corporations. We see the United States of America is a corporation, then they don't have to show us a trade agreement that they have made with the rest of the world because it's a private corporate agreement. So we have two huge elephants in the room, the biggest one being too much government, and the other one is the fact that these this government, these are all corporations. Does the FBI have a license to do business in your state? I don't think so. It's a corporation. Does it pay corporate income tax? I don't think so. Does the DEA pay corporate income tax? I don't think so. Is there any oversight of them? No, I don't think so. And if you think your auditor is going to do oversight, hey, the auditor knows where the bodies are buried. The auditor knows where the gold is, and nobody dares mess with the auditor, and the auditor better not step out of line. So, folks, just understand that all this gibberish coming out of the financial sector about what must be done, uh-uh, they're ignoring the elephant in the room. And it will come apart sooner or later. God bless you all. All right, thank you, Jim. I actually think there's another elephant that is perhaps more significant, and the elephant is a debt-based monetary system. What that inevitably means, if we have a debt-based monetary system, we used to have an asset-based monetary system. It was based backed by gold or silver. And what that meant is if the government issued a paper dollar, for example, or the Federal Reserve note did, Federal Reserve did, 
They had to back whatever that piece of paper was, whether it was a dollar or a bond, it had to be backed with gold and silver. You could take it to the government, you could take it to the Federal Reserve, whoever issued it, and say, ha-ha, I have a piece of paper here with Secretary of the Treasury's signature on it for $100,000, and I want it in gold. And they said, okay, no problem. But they changed over to a debt-based monetary system. And a debt-based monetary system, a debt is just a promise to pay. We have come to a point where we value the promises to pay. We value the debts. Because we have a debt-based monetary system, we have been taught to value debts more so, or at least the banks have and the government has. The, the debts are more important than the assets. Part of the reason for this is you can use these debt instruments like U.S. bonds, a mere promise to pay, scouts honor, I'm going to give you $100,000, you know you can trust me, I work for the government. All they have to do, they don't have to produce a gold coin. They don't have to produce a silver coin, which requires real work, real effort, real responsibility to come up with gold or silver. All they have to do is say, I promise, I'm going to pay, no problem. And everybody's buying these promises. They're accepting these promises that the government and or Federal Reserve will pay. And they're using these promises in banks under fractional reserve banking to issue more credit to the public. If they get $1,000, a $1,000 bond, and they put it in the vault under fractional reserve banking, they can lend, the private banks can lend $9,000 to the public. And if they were charging 5% on each one of those loans, collectively they'd be making 45% on the $1,000 bond that they'd deposit, that they'd put in their vault. It's, I think, part of the reason why we hear reports that banks don't want cash. They make, I don't think they can use the cash as collateral for loans under fractional reserve banking. I may be mistaken about that. I don't know one way or the other. But I think they can't use the cash as collateral for making fractional reserve loans. So they say, I don't want your cash. I, what am I going to do with that? Just, hold, just store it in a hidey hole, put it in a, put it in a box up in the uh, shoebox in my, in my closet? I don't want your cash. I want your debt instruments because I can put them in the vault, I can use them as collateral, and I can lend nine times the face value to the public at 5% interest and make 45% off your bond. All right? Well, the point I'm trying to get to is that insofar as the banks and the government have been conditioned, people haven't quite figured it out yet, but in a debt-based monetary system, we value debt more highly than we value assets. And the logic of that system inevitably compels us to go deeper and deeper into debt. When we have presidents says, oh, we have to raise the debt ceiling. And the rest of them go along with them. And an ordinary person says, that's crazy. We can't go deeper into debt to stimulate the economy. We're just going to, it's just going to drive us faster and faster on the road paved with good intentions that are taking us to heck. What? Why would we want to go deeper into debt? Because we have a debt-based monetary system. In our system, debt is wealth. Debt is wealth, and the more debt we create, the wealthier we theoretically become. And a lot of people say, that's crazy talk, but how did you get your car? How did you get your truck? How did you get your house? How is it that you're living in a house that's worth maybe for a quarter of a million dollars? 
And for most people, the answer is they went into debt. It is by virtue of your ability and willingness to go into debt that you recovered, that you acquired the apparent wealth of the house you're living in and the car you're living in. How many of you paid cash for your car, paid cash for your home, paid cash for your land? Not many. Some did, but not many. Most got. Most of us have whatever symbols we surround ourselves with that say, oh, that guy, this guy's wealthy. How do you know? Well, he's got the nice house, got the great cars. How do you get him? By going into debt. The symbol of that debt is the house. The symbol of the debt is the house, is the car. It's not assets. It's not a function of conventional assets. Not a function of con- conventional wealth. And when Jim is, is arguing that we, have, we used to be a productive nation, yeah, we were when we had an asset-based monetary system. But now we have a debt-based monetary system. You don't have to work to produce debt. All you have to do is promise. I promise to pay. What was one of the triggers for the Great Recession that started in 2007, 2008? And the answer is subprime mortgages. People that they knew, this guy's never going to pay his mortgage. They gave him a mortgage anyway. All he had to do, oh, yeah, yeah, I promised to pay. That's all it took was a promise to pay, and he got a house. All right? Couldn't keep it, but he did get a house. And the banks made money off the deal, and uh, everybody thought that it would stimulate the economy. But my point is, all it took was a promise to pay. He didn't have to work. didn't have to have a job. He had to, he had to lie about it. He said, oh, I'm, 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 a, I'm a rocket scientist, or I'm a, a, a neurosurgeon. When, in fact, he's sweeping floors. didn't matter. Why? We don't care. All we want was the promise. The promise alone was good enough to get the house. Good enough, and, and more recently, it's good enough to get a car. They are allegedly using uh, subprime lending to fund the purchase of automobiles in this country right now. When we went off the gold and silver standard, this, to my mind, is that elephant Jim is talking about. This is, for me, this is a fundamental element. Some people might see something more fundamental. It would be a spiritual basis. We walked away from God. We, we did a bunch of things. But in terms of economics, when we walked away from an asset-based money system and took on a debt-based monetary system, debt became our little god. And the more debt we produce, the richer we, th- we theoretically become. It's stupid. It's irrational. It's going to lead to tragedy. But for a while there was a hot ride. All you had to do was make a promise, promise to pay. I don't need any money. I just need to be credible. People sit back and say, yeah, his promises are good. His credit is good. His promises are good. As long as people believed that, I could have anything I wanted, even if I hadn't earned it. Didn't have to show any assets, just a willingness to promise, which for many people is nothing more than a willingness to lie. And that's what the government's been doing. Their bonds are all promises to pay. Oh, we promise. They've got $18, $19 trillion in national debt that they admit to right now. Those are all promises to pay. That's what the debts are. They're not payments. They're promises to pay. There's no way in the world the promise is going to be kept, which means the majority of that $18, $19 trillion that we have in debt right now, sooner or later it's going to be repudiated. And where is that? Where are the bonds? They're in your pension funds. They're in some of your safety deposit boxes. You people and foreign investors are holding those bonds. 
you're holding those promises to pay at a time when the promises can't be kept. We've gone too far into debt. And they're doing everything they can to try to avoid facing that reality. But you have to come to the point. If debt is wealth, which is insane, but that's the fundamental idea, that's the fundamental principle behind a debt-based monetary system. If we're going to treat debt as wealth, we inevitably, once people get, hey, the more debt, the more promises I make, the more wealthier I become. And people say, yay, is this a cool system or what? I can get that yacht. I can get the corporate jet. All I got to do is walk into the bank and say, promise. Now, it's not that simple. You have to maintain, so you have to pay back some of your, some of your debt in order to maintain your credit rating, your promissory rating. But still, it's the promises that get you what you want, the debt that gets you what you want. We want debt in a debt-based monetary system, and it's nuts, it's irrational, it's insane. It makes for a great time. We had a hot economy there for 30, 40 years. But we are coming to a point where we have created so much debt that we can't maintain confidence in the idea that the debt will be repaid. And once people realize, holy cow, all those promises can't be kept. Well, the debt can't be repaid. What does that mean? It means most of the bonds are worthless. It means most of those promises are worthless. It means those of you that are counting on those promises to pay rather than assets, you've fallen for the debt-based monetary system. Guess what? You're going to have a difficult time, just as, just as James from West Virginia was talking about. It's, it's all going to, it's going to blow up in our face. It has to blow up in our face because it's crazy, but it was fun. It was like doing crack, all right, or heroin or cocaine or something. It seemed cool for a while there, but inevitable. Or alcohol. Boy, we had a good time, you know, great party. But now the hangover's coming. Uh-huh. Can't stand any more alcohol, can't stand any more crack, can't stand any more debt. Time to get sober. And that's, I think, what we call a recession and or a depression. It's an opportunity for people to sober up, and it's not going to be fun. We're going to have to realize, oh, my gosh, I'm not entitled to a nickel that I haven't earned. I'm not entitled to government entitlements and subsidies. All right? In fact, the only thing I'm entitled to is what that which I have earned in the free market by virtue of my work. Uh, and it's going to be a painful learning experience for a lot of people. And it's going to be painful even for people who know it. It's still going to be painful. Economy is going to suffer a great hit, and a lot of people are going to be inconvenienced and badly damaged or injured and maybe even destroyed. We'll watch and see. But to my mind, it flows from the debt-based monetary system where we learn to value debt more than assets. It's insanity. If you're going to do that, you're headed for a bad end. We are going to break for some commercials. I'm Alfred Addis here with Melody Cedarstrom on Financial Survival. We'll be back in a moment. Please stay tuned.
have a heart condition and emergency rooms and medical doctors are not an option, you need our emergency heart attack kits. Five concentrated liquid formulas enter the system in 60 seconds to protect your heart muscle, strengthen heartbeat, increase circulation, relieve pain, and make breathing easier. When seconds count, you want all the help you can get with our emergency heart attack kit. Easy to use and portable in a one pound compact kit for your purse, briefcase, or car. Call Apothecary Herbs now for your emergency heart attack kit, toll free, 866-229-3663. That's 866-229-3663. International callers dial 704-875-8010 or order online at the three W's dot thepowerherbs.com. Since the beginning of the United States, kings have sought it, nations have fought for it. It has been traded, borrowed, purchased, and stolen. There is a reason for it. To secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity, invest with the security of gold and silver. Call Discount Gold and Silver Trading at 1-800-375-4188. That's 1-800-375-4188. Listen to Financial Survival with your host, Melody Cedarstrom, on American Voice Radio Network and Shortwave Radio. Visit DiscountGoldAndSilverTrading.net or call 1-800-375-4188. That's 1-800-375-4188. For the very best in gold and silver trading, call toll-free 1-800-375-4188. That's 1-800-375-4188. Call now. Hi, folks. I'm Alfred Adask here with Melody Cedarstrom on Financial Survival. Got an article here from Yahoo Politics. And the headline is Clinton, Carson, Lead, Rubio, and Cruz on the Rise. Polls, all right? With a little more than a year until Election Day 2016, Hillary Clinton has established herself as the clear frontrunner in the race for the Democratic nomination, while the Republican side is still very much up for grabs. A new NBC News Wall Street Journal national poll released Tuesday, that would be today, shows that Clinton has opened up a 31% lead over Vermont Senator Bernie Sanders. The former Secretary of State has 62% support among likely Democrat primary voters, compared with Sanders' 31%. Former Maryland Governor Martin O'Malley received just 3% support. The survey conducted October 25th through 29th. Uh, that was the results of the survey. Again, the Democratic presidential race, Clinton 62%, Sanders 31%, O'Malley 3%. The same poll showed neurosurgeon Ben Carson now has a six-point lead over Donald Trump in the race for the Republican nomination. Among likely Republican primary voters, Carson received 29% support, followed by Trump, 23%. Florida uh, Senator Marco Rubio, 11%. Texas Senator Ted Cruz, 10%. And former Republican, uh, or excuse me, former Governor Jeb Bush, Florida Governor Jeb Bush, uh, 8%. All right, so this is accurate to this degree. I agree that the Republican nomination is up for grabs. I suspect we will see... You know, who's going to be number one? It's going to vary from 
every few months, maybe even every month, who knows. We're going to see an increasingly tight competitive race. Trump is no longer number one. It is, a, it is somewhat surprising that Ben Carson has a six-point lead over Donald Trump and is leading the whole Republican. Uh, to me, this is surprising. It's certainly evidence that claims of racism in this country are difficult to support. I mean, we've had a black president for the last going to, you know, two, two sec, uh, six, seven years right now. And a lot of people are dissatisfied with what he's done. And you could suppose that a lot of people are sitting back and say, that's the last black man I'm ever going to vote for. And in fact, here we have the Republicans who at least for the moment are black man, Mr. Carson, is leading the Republican Party uh, uh, primary polls by 20, by 6% over the next closest, next closest challenger. It's real evidence. It's the sort of thing that's going to push a lot of blacks are going to sit back and say, hmm, this is evidence that maybe the Republican Party is open to blacks. I mean, the Republican Party has been trying to make that point for a certain amount of time, but they haven't had much success. Blacks just vote Democrat. They don't matter what's going on. If Jesus is running as a Republican and Satan is running as a Democrat, most of the blacks are vote Democrat, 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 Democrat. But I'd say that Carson's candidacy, particularly on Carson's success to date, especially given after Obama being in there for six, seven years, it's evidence that, you know, there's the, the claims of racism are increasingly difficult to support in this country. That's one thing. But we'll watch. This is going to change. No one knows. You know, round and round it goes. Where it stops, nobody knows. But to me, what's more difficult or what's more surprising is that Hillary Clinton has a 31% lead over Vermont Senator Bernie Sanders. Now, it was just in the last three weeks or so, maybe a month, that Sanders was closing on Clinton. And in at least one poll, um, my understanding was that he had... He was doing better than Clinton. And now he's 31 points behind? Does that sound reasonable to you, Melody? Do you think Sanders has really fallen off 31% and Hillary has gained? She's up to 62% after the problems with Benghazi and whatever else? Does that make sense to you, or do you wonder if you wonder about the validity of these polls? Yes, I don't think these polls, uh, I think they're interesting. I'm not quite sure they actually tell the truth. Uh, I mean, they are put together by, you know, here we're looking at NBC News and the Wall Street Journal. That's their poll. I think it does give an indication to some degree that you do have, uh, there's a lot of interest in the outsiders, which is Carson and Trump. I don't think there's, a, to me, a big difference between 90, 29% and 23%. Um, I, and I don't think it, uh, um, so it's, it's, you know, I look at them, they're interesting, but I, um, you know, I don't believe them. I'd say uh, the Republican poll Let, Let's wait and see. Numbers. I'd, I'd trust the Republican poll, but I am so surprised by the Democratic poll. Clinton, 62%. Sanders, 31%. Right there, it shows you that it's not a true poll. <laughs> They're both disgusting, you know? So, I mean, that's their choice. People will vote for Clinton just because it's Hillary Clinton, which I don't understand. I have no idea why they would vote for her just because it's her. And you mm-hmm. can ask people on the street, oh, yeah, I'm going to vote for Hillary. Well, it's Hillary. 
Really? It just boggles the mind. It just boggles the mind. Yep. And I so, am- yeah. They are, that's why I don't understand about Clinton, because you're right. You have Benghazi, you have the emails, you have all her other baggage. Um, you have the, the Democrats, as far as the, all the scandals that Obama has with the IRS and everything else. To see that a Democrat would actually get into the race, I find, or, or, or get it uh, as the next president in office next term, it, it just, I just can't see it happening. That's what I can't figure out about this whole deal. Uh, with uh, but yet look at Trump. Do you think Trump could really beat Clinton in a debate? I don't. Do I believe Carson could beat Clinton in a debate? No, I don't. That's a good point. I think Trump could give her a run for the money. Carson. He it's will... hard to say about Carson. Carson is he is soft spoken in his own way, and he doesn't hammer people over the head the way Trump does, and a lot of other politicians do. And Carson might just be able to, with a certain amount of, with an almost gentle style, he might impress people in a way that Hillary would find I don't think they would hear him. I don't think they would hear Carson, because she's a big mouth, and I don't think they would hear Carson. And, and I think he, to some degree he, he would give her a run for her money. Trump, I think everybody would flow to, they would feel so sorry for Clinton. It depends on how he handles himself. We're talking about something we're not even sure they're going to be, you know, debating Clinton. But, uh, but, you know, the only one that I see that could really, truly debate Clinton, and I don't like the guy, would be Chris Christie. That's probably true. He would give her a run for the money. Yeah. And you know another one? The only one. Bobby Jindal. No, he couldn't. Oh, I think he can. Nope. That guy's knowledgeable. Nope. Coming out he's of Louisiana. Knowledgeable, but he's not likable. I mean, he's just, no. Well, he doesn't look American, per se, with his Indian That has nothing to do with that. I it just does in some people's minds. He mind. doesn't have the strength that Chris Christie does. Chris Christie knows, hey, he, 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 he can, he's a good litigator. He's a good, he, he would beat her. I agree with that. I agree with that. And he's the only one. Jindal is a debater. Um, Christie is a litigator, and there's a big difference. I mean, a debate is an interesting argument you can get into on an intellectual basis, but litigation is something we're hammer and tong. A good litigator is a warrior. And and that's and that doesn't mean I like him. That doesn't mean either, but he would beat Clinton, and he's the only one that I see would be able to do so. Cruz, maybe. But I think they would stumble. It's anyway. still amazing to me that Clinton's got 60% of the Democrats, 62% are voting for Clinton after all the problems that have been email, Benghazi, whatever, and everything yeah. that she ever... You know, I wonder, That's what I mean, she's wonder. so protected. She's I, so protected. You know, it's one of those things where I look at it, and I don't know if she's just protected by a political system and the way I understand you to mean, or if there's something spiritual going on here. You know, is she the next judgment? We had Obama for a judgment on this country. Is she the next? Is she the next judgment that's going to be imposed on this country? I mean, how can people? I don't care whether she's a Democrat or Republican per se. I don't see how anyone can look at her and say she is a moral individual. Ah. And I well. wonder how this country can survive. If we sit back and collectively say, we don't care if she's a crook, we don't care if she's immoral, she's uh, whatever. 
She's like a gangster, but we like her. She's like Al Capone. People cheered for him at one point in time. We're going to cheer for Al Capone. Yeah, but even Al Capone did did good things. (laughs) He fed the hungry. You know, during the Depression, he fed the the lions and so forth. You know, but uh, he he didn't hurt the, you know, no. But, you know, it's interesting. You brought up religion, and today a poll came out today, and Americans are becoming less religious. Of course, we all know that. The share of U.S. adults who say they believe in God, while still high compared with other advanced industrial countries, slipped to 89% in 2014 from 92% in 2007. The portion of Americans who say they are absolutely certain God exists fell even more to 63% in 2014 from 71 percent in 2007. Um, The trend is most pronounced among young adults, with only half of those born from 1990 to 1996 absolutely certain of their belief in God, compared to 71 percent of the silent generation, or those born from 1928 to 1945. So, you know, there is a falling away. Yeah. And um, I mean, we're—I believe—we're seeing the signs every day. You hear about, you know, we have the coach in Washington, you know, who's, who's on leave, probably will get fired yep. because he can no longer pray after a game. And you know, he wasn't encouraging his players to to join him. He'd go down on a knee, and the, the players, you know, actively joined him. Uh, there's another young man I, I heard today. You know, he's getting in trouble because during the game, um, you know, he stops, he puts his hand to his heart and points up to the sky. Yeah. So, I yeah. mean, and I, I, it, it's so disturbing to see no one is standing up for these people. Yeah. And, and, the, and to see the government taking them down. The government is yes. cooperating in this destruction. Right. And, and yet I'm reading that there's a, a, a school in California who's now allowing a transgender boy to shower with the girls. Yep. This is school for heaven's sakes. Yeah, I know. These kids don't know what they are. I, yeah, that's they exactly are. Not right. Not what they are, but who they are. There are when, some... you take, when you take God out of their life, they're even going to be more confused. Yeah. And allowing this to not guide them. Along the way, and just allowing them to make these decisions on their own, and parents going along with it without nurturing, without, you know, trying to... Rioting! Rioting! They should picket those schools and make it abundantly clear that if you're going to pull this crap on our children, you're going to have a problem that's going to make you wish you were living in, in Missouri. I don't even remember the name of the town where we had our last what's riot. That, but what's sad, Al, is... When people do say any, all of a sudden, oh, well, you 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 hate you 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 know you're you're you know you're a racist. You're this. You're the, all the amount. Yeah. All of a sudden, you're tagged. The kids, the children, they don't want to talk about it. You know, be, they become friends with these kids. They're friends with them, and, and it's hard to you know acknowledge that you know there's something wrong with your friends. So it is. Really? Well, there's nothing wrong with being friends per se. All right, you can't you can't just kids make friends with people they make friends with, and we can we can criticize. You shouldn't be friends saying. with that I'm kid or that person or that teacher, or whatever. Because I didn't say that. I didn't say that. Oh, I get that. All right, 
Go ahead. You know, I didn't say, you know, I'm not criticizing Adam. I'm talking about the problem that you just can't, um, you know, you, people are, I guess, afraid. I, I, I don't know, but... It's a new culture. Schools. It's a new it culture a, and a new we're just system old. of values. It, and it's maybe the result of Hollywood. It's the result of yeah. television. It's the result of the Internet. I don't know where you want to point the finger exactly, it's but it's a new no system of values that is not conducive to a homogenous United States of America. And insofar as we're going to have multiple sets of values, we're going to see this country balkanized. We're going to see it tend to split up the way the former Soviet Union has. And we're going to see a kind of divide and conquer, and it's being done by protecting the values of people who are, to some degree, at least in some people's estimation, just freaks. And they can say, oh, we have our rights. Well, yeah, you do, but you don't have the right to destroy the culture that made this country powerful, great, and prosperous. Younger people also are less likely to pray daily at 39% compared to the silent generation, which I gave those who were born between 1928 and 1948 at 67%. Well, I'm part of the silent generation, Melody. Really? Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I find that That's hard. That's on 1945. Oh, that's well. 1945, I qualify. <laughs> Just over the line, Melody. It's <laughs> over the line. Listen, we're out, of, we're out of time, folks. Melody and I will be back tomorrow. I want to thank all of you for listening. Hope you will tune in. Manana, in the meantime, the good Lord bless you, me, Melody, and Frank, the producer. Bye-bye. I work all night. I work all day to pay the bills I have to pay. There never seems to be a single penny left for me. That's too bad. In my dreams, I have a plan. If I got me a wealthy man, I wouldn't have to work at all. I'd fool around and have a heard on Galaxy 19 at 97 degrees west, transponder 23, frequency 12115, audio PID 2595. AVR is heard on the left side audio channel, and AVR2 is heard on the right side audio channel. Remember, both AVR and AVR2 are on Galaxy 19. Same network, double the choices. Can your family survive a food shortage lasting two weeks, six months, or maybe longer? Sound far-fetched? We live in precarious times. There is an ever-increasing possibility of food shortages caused by terrorist attacks, natural disasters, truck strikes, or monetary collapse. You owe it to yourself and family to prepare, and you can by getting a supply of our long-storing, freeze-dried, and dehydrated foods. Our foods are time-tested to store for decades, require a minimum of time and energy to prepare while maintaining superior nutritional value, freshness, and taste. Our foods were designed 
designed for the space program and are in constant use today by our own nuclear submarine service. Contact the Freeze Dry Guy today at freezedryguy at lancet.com. That's freezedryguy at l-a-n-s-e-t dot com or call 530-265-8333. 530-265-8333. And let them know you heard it on American Boys Radio. What makes deep sea salt from France so different? Up from the ocean depths in the south of France flow undersea rivers of pristine sea water. At high tide, the prepared salt ponds are filled with this water. Over spring and summer, processed only by ocean breezes and sunshine, the brine thickens and salt crystals float to the top. These are harvested with nets and deposited on wooden drainage flats to dry. The salt is then gathered up, packaged, and shipped around the world. This salt is much more than a box of lifeless sodium chloride. Soldiers worth their salt were once paid with this valuable commodity. It contains 78 to 84 balancing elements. This is living salt, and once you have tasted it, you will never go back to anything else. I've seen this salt in gourmet shops for $30 a pound. Get it now at 4spectrum.us for under $8 a pound. Order 10 pounds and enter the coupon code AVRSALT at checkout and save $20. Ships free to your door or call 800-581-8906. Order today. The U.S. dollar is fluctuating. Gasoline reserves are low and the prices rise. World events are at best uncertain. How would you fare a stock market crash, hyperinflation, or an overall economic collapse? What would you do if you woke up and the U.S. dollar had the buying power of a penny? Call Swiss America at 1-800-BUY-COIN for a free 21-page report explaining the current economic dangers and how you can take steps to protect yourself and family. Call Swiss America at 1-800-BUY-COIN. That's 1-800-289-2646. 1-800-289-2646. To learn how you can become prepared, call 1-800-289-2646. And mention you heard it on the American Voice Radio Network. Fighting soldiers from the sky Fearless men who jump and die Men who mean just what they say The brave men of the Green Beret Silver wings upon their chest These are men America's best 100 men will test today but only three when the green beret hello everybody well uh, did you make it through the weekend did you make it through Halloween uh, here in Nevada uh, we call it Nevada day because uh, that was the date in 1865, that uh, Nevada uh, joined the Union. Now, they call uh, Nevada, this just uh, so that you'll know a little something they didn't teach you in public school. They call Nevada the battle-born state. 
it's it's a great uh, you know way to uh, have on every flag battle born. Whoa, you know that sounds exciting, doesn't it? But actually, the uh, war of northern aggression, <laughs> as my uh, side of the family uh, cared to uh, recall it. You know, and the Rogers, uh, just the second thing I don't teach in public school, uh, but uh, Will Rogers' dad was uh, a full-blood Cherokee Indian and a captain in the Cherokee Rifles. And they had a general, actually, a Confederate general uh, that was a, they wouldn't have no uh, white people uh, running them. Uh, they didn't wear Confederate uniforms. They wore feathers and war paint. Now, the Cherokee Rifles, uh, they had some history with the Veil of Tears <laughs> when the white people uh, gathered them up out of North Carolina, the civilized tribes, uh, they were called, not just the Cherokee, but there were, you know, gosh, it's like the... Like you were reading in Genesis, Exodus, uh, they, there were seven civilized tribes, and they moved them all, uh, including Seminoles, uh, and you know, in the Vale of Tears, to Oklahoma, which was proclaimed Indian Territory. Well, during the Civil War, the Cherokee Rifles fought for the Confederacy, and Will Rogers' dad... Uh, was a captain, and he had uh, married a white woman. That's why Will Rogers uh, could have run for president, because he was natural born from a Native American dad, uh, a Cherokee Indian, and uh, a white woman also from America. And, you know, Will Rogers could have probably won (laughs) back in those times. Anyway, it was so interesting because most of the battles that were fought uh, were up on the Missouri, Arkansas, Kansas, Oklahoma line, that little area right up there in the northeast corner. And the Cherokee Rifles won every battle because the boys uh, that were assigned uh, in that part of the, of the war against the South, uh, they uh, had come from Michigan, and they had come from Connecticut and Illinois, you know, places like this. They weren't used to seeing uh, hooping uh, Indians in traditional battle dress with tomahawks, only uh, these Indians uh, had rifles <laughs> coming screaming over the hill uh, after them. So most of the time, they just threw down their guns and run. So the Cherokee rifles were very victorious. And they didn't understand uh, when Robert E. Lee surrendered and turned over his sword at Appomattox. Uh, they didn't understand because they were winning. So they just didn't quit fighting. Uh, The Cherokee rifles kept on going uh, for quite a while before they finally uh, got the message. You know, it's like old hickory. Now, there's something else they don't teach you in public school. But here we got old hickory down there. And the Battle of New Orleans 
which is one of the most famous battles of the War of 1812 that was fought in 1815. But the British had already surrendered. <laughs> but the word hadn't got to New Orleans. And so the British uh, were was going to attack New Orleans. <laughs> and old Hickory, you know, he got his boys together, and uh, they sent them running uh, through uh, those swamps down there <laughs> uh, so fast the dogs couldn't catch them. Great song came out of that. And uh, the President of the United States uh, came out of that. Uh, old Hickory. Gosh, uh, I'm sorry. I'm just, uh, as an educator, I couldn't help it. It's Battle Born State Day yesterday. And I wanted you to know that uh, uh, Nevada uh, didn't become a state, actually, during the Civil War. Uh, but... Uh, we got through Halloween, and I hope that you did too. I hope you listened, didn't uh, pick up any plastic bottles with caps and liquid in them laying in your yard so there's no injuries. Tell me that. Unfortunately, as we say our prayers, I hope that the mothers and fathers remind the little children when you pray with them uh, at night, and I hope you do this, that they remember our soldiers in battle, uh, men and women now. Uh, they have lost lives, limbs, in some cases liberty, those that have been captured, 1,360 from Afghanistan and more every day like the national debt, 4,427 in Iraq. We're rapidly approaching 6,000, 5,787 now, the best I can make it. And uh, there are uh, people over there primarily overwhelmingly, that whole area, like uh, in uh, Afghanistan, uh, it is uh, 100%. Now, you know that there, and with our occupation forces, uh, there are many, many Christians but uh, that are in the U.S. military and in the uh, foreign militaries like Great Britain that are part of the coalition uh, occupying Afghanistan. But the Afghan people, they're all uh, Muslims. And when you look at uh, Pakistan, uh, they aren't all uh, Muslims. Uh, there's about uh, 97% of them that are Muslims. Uh, you look at Saudi Arabia, uh, 100%. Uh, you, uh, you go over to Iraq, and you will see where... Uh, Iraq borders on Iran there, and uh, there it's always in the 90 percentile. Well, this Sunday, yesterday, uh, an Al-Qaeda jihad group uh, went into a Catholic church in Baghdad.
when they held hostage the congregation. Now, when you're overseas and when uh, there's death all around, uh, you get closer uh, to God. You need God more. And so uh, to let you see in this Catholic Church when uh, the uh, Iraqi police forces uh, raided the church, well, the jihadists had explosive vests, and they set off uh, these vests, uh, which means that uh, they uh, were killed, and they got to go uh, straight to heaven, uh, where they were welcomed by Virginians. Now, that's uh, just, uh, and this they don't teach you this in public school either. They don't teach you anything about the Quran, but they should. And uh, uh, we've discovered a flaw in, uh, and, you know, the Book of Mormon was said to be by Joseph Smith the most accurate and perfect book that uh, was ever printed. Uh, but, uh, gosh, there's been about 4,000 corrections uh, since the uh, first uh, book was printed. So we find that, uh, you know, uh, little things there uh, get passed over as you read a draft of something you've read. Uh, you don't see it. You think, boy, this is perfect. And then they print it, and what happens? Right there in the first sentence on the front page, probably in the bold underlined print, there's a misspelled word or whatever. And uh, so one thing that the Muhammad uh, probably uh, must have been him made a little mistake on is uh, this business about the promise uh, to those who die uh, give their life in, in a jihad, uh, that they uh, will go to heaven uh, and uh, they, there will be buxami, this is the words in the Quran, buxami doe-eyed women. Well, a lot of people, uh, they also, it says more than that, and uh, the word virgins is uh, is widely used I've read the Quran, and I've been an advisor in Saudi Arabia, and I have been uh, on missions in a lot of uh, Islamic countries, and I've noticed this, and uh, I just uh, don't try to tell them no, especially when you're over there uh, in their part of the world. But uh, the actual, I think the actual... uh, uh, Arabic it has is it just takes a little swirl, you know, and then it's a different word, but it's actually uh, translated as Virginians that will uh, meet uh, these jihadists instead of virgins. They just, you know, that little squirrely cue there. Mama just meant, missed that, I think. But it, to show you how deadly uh, these jihadists. Uh, can be, and how cowardly, uh, because of this doctrine of jihad uh, and this business of buxomy, doe-eyed women, and then what has been uh, mistranslated as virgins, because we know there there aren't probably uh, any more virgins left. Maybe there were in the beginning, but probably not now. So it is much more logical uh, to think uh, 
of them as Virginians. And uh, I wouldn't want to meet a bunch of Virginians if uh, I had just um, uh, you know, cowardly blown up a bunch of innocent children. And I think that there is going to be a very painful and a very prolonged agony uh, for those who, like Christ said, if you hurt this little one, then better a millstone be placed around uh, your neck and you'd be dropped into the depths of the sea. Yeah. And so uh, Virginians, I don't know why God, uh, you know, Archies would have been, they're pretty tough, or Texans. But he chose Virginians, and so there it is. Fifty-eight people. Now, you see, in most uh, American churches, good Catholics uh, don't go to church every Sunday. Uh, they go, uh, go on Easter and Christmas, and that sort of classifies you as a good Catholic. But when you're in a war zone, then uh, uh, people have this tendency to try to, try to draw nearer to God. And so... When you have such a low percentage of people who are not Muslims, by the way, some they don't teach in public school, Muslim uh, in the language means traitor, and not like Trader Joe's, uh, not trading uh, commercially, but like a traitor, uh, like you know somebody who has betrayed their country. And uh, it's a long story, so I won't get into it. But the Muslim, uh, the people who believe in Islam, they don't care. Maybe they don't know, <laughs> but they don't care if you call them Muslims because, you know, it's like other uh, names that have been used uh, to describe uh, various slices of society. Uh, they've been heard and been used uh, for generations, and so they accept it. Maybe there'll come a day when they don't want to be called Muslims anymore. They would just want to be called uh, Islamists or Islamic believers. You know, we've been through this, uh, so that you end up changing. I mean, remember John Wayne and a lot of those black and white uh, movies, you know, where he was a pilot or he was a Marine at Iwo Jima? You remember uh, names that he had for our enemies over there. <laughs> well, things have a way of changing, uh, don't they? And uh, so be it. Uh, I wanted to mention, because I, when we got off the program on uh, Friday, uh, Frank Stephan, who's the owner and operator of American Voice Radio, you said, Bo, you just told on yourself, you said that uh, the uh, New York Giants were going to be playing against the Texas Rangers and that uh, Minnie-Mee Bush was going to throw out uh, the ball on Sunday uh, at the fourth game. Well, uh, that... Uh, to me, it was true. The Giants belong in New York. 
whatever happened to loyalty? But do you know, the last time that the Giants, and maybe this got something to do with loyalty, the last time the Giants, uh, which is now, I Frank told me, it shows uh, what kind of a TV sports uh, addict I am. I'm not. And so uh, I didn't even know the Giants had left New York, those turkeys. I mean, gosh, what about loyalty? Uh, so it's the San Francisco Giants. They have not won a World Series in over 50 years. They had been deserted New York and went to San Francisco. I can't believe it. What happened to me? See, I, if you were, remember in World War II, I mean, a lot of times people had forgotten the password and one thing and the other. So if you were, you were off the lines or you were trying to get back to your lines and you came up and somebody said, Geraldine, and you didn't know what you said, I don't know password. Then you want to know, you know, well, Joe, Joe, and or whatever. And you better know, uh, about baseball. Well, geez. See, if they would have said to me, Giants, and I would have said New York, <laughs> I would have been shot by our own people. Anyway, if you are, since uh, baseball is supposed to be America's uh, national pastime, uh, I thought maybe it would be uh, right to say that tonight, is game number five, and you know a lot of people say, "Well, I I don't want to watch uh, uh, the World Series because you got to win four games out of seven, and so it can go to the seventh game." Well, it may be over tonight. So if you want to say that you watched with your children a or your friend a World Series game. This year, you might better do it tonight because uh, the Giants are ahead three wins to one. And uh, yesterday, when Minnie Me threw out the ball, uh, his uh, Giants didn't do uh, – it's not his Giants. He owned the Texas Rangers. And by the way, I uh, watched uh, for a little bit on uh, Saturday, and uh, there was Laura Bush, and Laura still looked uh, very attractive. And then there was Minnie Me, uh, kind of sprawled out there, uh, looking as I remember him <laughs> when he admitted uh, using uh, marijuana and a little bit of cocaine. It looked like he, you know, he uh, maybe uh, had. I had a tough evening of it. Well, I guess with the Rangers, uh, which he used to own, then he threw out the ball and it didn't work. They lost. <laughs> so uh, the Giants uh, play the fifth game, and if they win uh, tonight, even though they are, they moved 50 years ago uh, to San Francisco, uh, then they win the World Series. So uh, just for people who are wondering, don't forget for crying out loud, uh, I, I have a lot of things that I need to I have to do tomorrow. But 
voting is on the top of the list. I'm going to get up early tomorrow morning, and I think the polls open about 7, and I'm going to uh, go in Sandy Valley. Uh, we have a little a polling place. Gosh, if nobody else is there, I'll know I probably should have uh, uh, read our little local newspaper or something. But I will uh, go, and it is not what I'm voting for. Actually, it is. I'm voting for taking Capitol Hill. Just like San Juan Hill, Teddy Roosevelt, and the Rough Riders, we need to take Capitol Hill and get rid of these liberals that would turn us in to the USSR. Now that the USSR has uh, changed its name, I'm tired of the socialists uh, who remember Stalin, a communist is just a socialist in a hurry. I'm tired of these guys running our country into the ground, making us completely, you know, they're going to bring America down by loading us with a burden of debt so great, debtors are not choosers, that we don't have any choice except to uh, give up and go with a one-world economic system. Oh, it'll be good to be the king. But it's got to happen before uh, the Christ will come to claim the earth. So... uh, but I say we've got to choose the right. And uh, taking Capitol Hill back doesn't do a thing other than uh, mean that uh, the legislative branch can reverse a lot of this Obama uh, giveaway. And the legislative branch, if it is Republican, and they will follow America's lead, which we have seen, uh, whether you like it or not, this Tea Party has done America, I believe, uh, a, uh, a favor. The Tea Party has introduced us back to uh, community uh, meeting halls, town meetings, where Con people have stood up and heard their voice. And I'll tell you something. If we don't vote and take Capitol Hill tomorrow, then uh, we're going to be in for a long, cold winter because house values are going down another 8%. And the jingles you got in your pocket went down now that it can tell us in September. All right, guys, we're going to take a little bit of a pause. We'll be right back with, and you're staying listening to American Voice Radio's Freedom Call.
Americans for Immigration Control is a leading national organization dedicated to reasonable levels of legal immigration and effective enforcement to stop illegal immigration. With more than 250,000 members and supporters nationwide, we are an effective voice for immigration reform. AIC stands up in Washington for the views of most Americans on immigration. We are the leaders in stopping recent legislation to reward 10 million or more illegal aliens with legal status and eventual citizenship. The late Georgia Congressman Charlie Norwood had this to say about us. AIC has earned a reputation among members of Congress as one of the most active and responsive advocacy groups in the field of immigration. Join AIC today. For more information, go to our website, immigrationcontrol.com. That's immigrationcontrol.com or call 540-468-2023. That's 540-468-2023. Here's what an expert says about distilled water. If you decide on bottled water, make sure it's distilled. However, in the long run, you'll save money if you clean your water at home. It's more convenient than hauling gallon jugs from the store. The gold standard for purifying your water is a system that distills your water and filters it. You have the comfort of knowing there is no chlorine, fluoride, bacteria, viruses, pesticides, or lead. You get nothing but H2O, maximum health. Dr. Robert D. Willis, Jr., M.D. Order your tabletop water distiller for $139.99 postpaid. It comes with everything you need to get pure distilled water. Go to superstore.theamericanvoice.com. That's superstore.theamericanvoice.com. Order now. The U.S. dollar is fluctuating, gasoline reserves are low, and the price is rising. World events are, at best, uncertain. How would you fare a stock market crash, hyperinflation, or an overall economic collapse? What would you do if you woke up and the U.S. dollar had the buying power of a penny? Call Swiss America at 1-800-BUY-COIN for a free 21-page report explaining the current economic dangers and how you can take steps to protect yourself and family. Call Swiss America at 1-800-BUY-COIN. That's 1-800-289-2646. 1-800-289-2646. To learn how you can become prepared, call 1-800-289-2646 and mention you heard it on the American Voice Radio Network. Imagine no longer being tied down to your computer, but having the freedom to take live talk radio with you anywhere you go. TalkStream Live introduces our first ever iPhone application. The talk shows you follow now follow you. And your iPhone is now the fastest and easiest way to stay connected to the best talk radio on the Internet. Let TalkStream Live transform the way you listen to radio. Listen to live talk shows 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. Mobile talk radio from TalkStream Live. Now available in the iTunes App Store. Guys, let me bring you back with a 
Freedom Call on American Voice Radio. And this is the first day of November. Uh, yeah. Well, you got to ask me, what's happened uh, to uh, October, September, you know, August? Uh, what happened to the Giants? <laughs> and no wonder I'm not a, a TV sports uh, fan because, to me, uh, loyalty is honor. And if you have no loyalty, I don't care about you. And as, I mean, what's the purpose of life if you are not going uh, to uh, be loyal to Almighty God, for example? You're just going to float around, and uh, if you happen to be over in India, you say, wow, look at all these really cool uh, different things they have that are holy. Everything, monkeys, the snakes, the white cows. Uh, if you have certain kinds of uh, Buddhism, you know, then you find people kneeling before the plaster of Paris, uh, Buddhas uh, lighting Josh sticks with their hands reverently together, placing fruit. I used to love it, you know, because as a as a an agent in special forces, uh, we never get. Um, GI rations. One, there's no way to get them to us. And uh, secondly, you know, they kind of uh, be obvious if out in the trash they found, you know, the U.S. government and there was 1951 or something, because you know you're going to be getting uh, probably two war ago <laughs> rations, which would be the Korean War. So I kind of liked it, and I sort of, uh, I think I sort of did them a favor. Uh, when the, the Buddhists uh, were so good, they always took the the best of the fruit. The bananas, for example, never had a spot on them. You know, they were like chiquitas. They just were perfect. And the grapes, you would oh boy, there's no rotten ones, no swiveled up ones. And the other kinds of fruit that you find uh, over there around uh, the world, uh, stuff like we don't have. And uh, I would uh, take that and eat it. And I think it pleased everybody because it was as if, you know, before I came around, uh, the fruit was always just left. Uh, the Buddha, the gods, didn't seem to be interested. Anyway, I like loyalty, and that's my point. And so these teams that uh, move around, you know, I've never heard of them. Uh, and so I don't care about them, so I'm not going to watch them on uh, television. Even though I must say, uh, uh, my number two son, Jay, uh, he uh, lived at Norman, Oklahoma, where uh, OU is uh, for years. And he was brought up on it. And his uh, social being, uh, his uh, psychic, I, he's a, a born-again Christian, so I don't worry about uh, him spiritually. But uh, he gets real grumpy. I mean, his physical health depends on Oklahoma football. And Oklahoma was rated number one two weeks ago. Oh, just a week ago, I guess. And they played Missouri. Uh, who you know wasn't was barely rated at all, 
and Missouri beat them, which means that uh, Jay uh, probably went into uh, a depression. And uh, so I was glad. Now, I don't mention this uh, because Oki, see, I'm telling you about loyalty and all that stuff. I went to the University of Nebraska. And so I can say that Nebraska uh, beat the stuffing out of Missouri this last week. I mean, like on Saturday. And uh, I didn't say anything, but I kind of felt like uh, it was like a big brother. Uh, you know, those those guys from Nebraska, uh, when you look at that football team on television, they don't look the same <laughs> as uh, other football teams. These guys, they call them corn huskers, and it's because they are just farm boys. And uh, they don't have a, a lot of recruiting that comes, uh, you know, from every other state except Nebraska. Most of the Nebraska team is made up of corn huskers. And uh, they are just big bone, uh, muscular uh, young men who have learned to put their head down even though it may be illegal now in pro football. Uh, and uh, I kind of thought it was like Big Brother coming to the rescue and beating up the bully because uh, Missouri now is down <laughs> and really got trounced on. So I hope that Jay is feeling better today. Uh, I've tried uh, to communicate with him on Facebook and uh, haven't gotten any response, so I know he was... But, you know, with the way it turned out with Nebraska, he should feel a lot better. Now, uh, I want you to be aware so that you aren't left uh, wondering. Remember uh, this airplane that was uh, flying uh, in from Dubai uh, and uh, had, uh, of course, uh, some uh, Yemen origin uh, explosive packages. One they had uh, located uh, in uh, Yemen. Uh, one they had located in London. And uh, the news was saying, well, this couldn't be anything because they're just using toner cartridges, you know, as, uh, and they've got some uh, white powder and uh, there's some wire, so this, uh, you know, this couldn't be an explosive. It's not big enough. I mean, you need Tim McVeigh, like 4,500 pounds of uh, prilled ammonium nitrate. Well, and I explained to you uh, about a thing called a dust initiator, a soapbox. A bomb that is no bigger than a soapbox, but it's designed uh, not to uh, uh, be used, let's say, in a big office building, because there's too many walls and uh, too many cubicles and all this kind of stuff. Uh, it wouldn't be good uh, to use a soapbox charge, for example, in the Twin Towers. But when you have something like a large uh, hangar, or if you, where there's a big space uh, surrounded by four walls and a ceiling, like a cathedral, for example, or an auditorium, uh, then these uh, soapbox 
A dust initiator bombs are perfect. They're so tiny. And you can set them off with just uh, uh, one and a half volt uh, dry cell battery, like a AAA or a AA, or really good big time, use a C cell or a D cell. Well, now they have uh, come out today and said, because, see, that was Friday, wasn't it? They've come out today and said that the explosive... This is something new. Well, it's not new at all. Uh, The explosive that uh, they found in these devices is patent. Now, I've already told you that uh, there's a scale that is used, and uh, the center of the scale is TNT. And they count that as uh, 1.0. Now, dynamite, uh, 60% dynamite is like 0.60. See, that's like half as powerful as TNT, so it's rated at 0.6 instead of 1.0. And plastic explosive uh, is rated at uh, 1.34. And so that means that plastic explosive is one-third more powerful in the same amount a pound of uh, TNT versus a pound of uh, C4. The C4 is a third uh, more powerful. Well, patent is even more powerful than plastic explosive. And the patent uh, can easily be uh, transported because a patent is what is used uh, in uh, military blasting caps to set off things that were designed uh, where they could be shot with a machine gun and uh, they wouldn't uh, detonate military explosives. See, TNT, you can hit it with a hammer and it's not going to go off. Uh, C4, you can actually burn it. GIs do it uh, to heat uh, rations with. And uh, so it takes a special military blasting cap in order to detonate uh, a military explosive. Well, the thing that detonates military explosive uh, is this little uh, aluminum uh, pencil, it looks like, only not quite the diameter, smaller than a pencil, and it's about uh, oh, two inches, two and a half inches uh, long. And inside there, now there's what it is, it's hollow for about uh, two thirds of it. And that's so that you can uh, put a time fuse uh, uh, down the the open end of the blasted cap, uh, or you can actually put detonating cord. You can stick the end of it down there and then crimp it on. Every demo man has a set of crimpers. Uh, it's like uh, a pair of pliers, only you fit it around. It fits around perfectly. The casing of the blasting cap, you make sure, because you don't know how exactly, you know, people can, uh, can goof 
And so if they goof and they put that uh, little patent up there a little too high and you crimp it, it's going off. So you want to make sure that you face away. Your hands are turned away from your face uh, when you crimp so that it doesn't, uh, if it does go off, it's only going to affect your extremities. Anyway, uh, this uh, stuff in the blasting cap, if you were to uh, take a, a wire and you were to start uh, scraping it, penetrating it, you, one, you'd take a chance on it going off. Uh, but it would come out as a white powder. This is patent. It's more explosive. And when uh, time fuse or when uh, and electrical blast caps are made uh, so that you can uh, set them off with a volt and a half, or you can you actually, uh, every demolition man carries what we call a 10-cap blaster. Uh, and you, this is a little hand generator. You put the handle in there and you twist it, and uh, that generates electricity to go down uh, wires for quite a distance and set off electrical blasting caps. But the blasting caps or the detonating cord, this looks like, uh, as a matter of fact, when we simulate this and for training, uh, we'll use plastic clothesline because it looks just almost exactly same diameter, same appearance. Uh, usually a plastic clothesline is a little more uh, movable, bendable uh, than a detonating cord. But this is a very powerful explosive. And what they're saying is they said that the uh, the small amount in what they discovered on this uh, Dubai aircraft uh, was equivalent to about two or three kilos. Well, now, a kilo is 2.2 pounds. So we're looking at like five pounds of TNT. <laughs> Don't be around when, uh, when that goes off. So where was this stuff headed? Well, it was uh, designed and addressed to go uh, to Chicago because that's where this flight was going, and uh, this stuff was going as mail. And so it was designed uh, to go to synagogues, which a synagogue uh, is what? Uh, it's got four walls and uh, a rather high ceiling. It's very likely to be an open space, perfect target for a small soapbox size uh, dust-initiated uh, device. So, friends, this is very serious. The only good news is that uh, our president has said we're going to give more and more money uh, to Yemen, the government of Yemen. We uh, already give them $5 million, but Obama, you know, since these bombs started showing up, this is the same kind of stuff, by the way, the patent, P-E-T-N, 
which is the abbreviation for a uh, rather complicated chemical compound, as the Christmas bomber. Remember, he tried to set his underwear on fire. Well, he was trying. He had the he had some patent uh, there in his underwear, and he was hoping that it would blow uh, a hole. Uh, and when you have uh, a an airplane that uh, is under pressure, it's pressurized to five thousand feet, and you're flying at let's say thirty thousand. Uh, well, there is a lot of, of pressure. Uh, and that's why in the movies, uh, if a window or somebody opens a door, you know, it's it's dangerous because all the pressurized air flows out that opening. So the, uh, the kid from Nigeria uh, who had been to Yemen, he was going to Detroit, he was trying to blow up uh, just to make a, a hole in the aircraft because then the aircraft would self-destruct. Just the pressure would result in more damage, and uh, he would uh, get to go meet Virginians uh, in in the, the promised land. Uh, so that is, now you know uh, what it was, and this is dangerous. Now, the president has said we are going to give more money to Yemen. You see, our houses are worth 8% less now than they were yesterday, you know, according to financial news. And they now can say that people, uh, for the month of September, our dollar actually shrank over what uh, reduced size it already is. Well, everything shrinks except it seems like these crazy programs that uh, Obama is bent on, uh, on our, uh, they, just, they just print the money. And then we have to add it to our uh, national debt, $14 trillion. And so now where we had given Yemen $5 million, which seems very small uh, compared to a billion, doesn't it? Now we're going to give Yemen more than $150 million. Yeah, that way they're going to love us more. And uh, the only thing that then uh, that I can tell you uh, that was to kind of sweeten the whole thing, I'm not glad. I think it's dumb that we're giving Yemen... Uh, our enemy, I mean, where they blew up the USS Cole, Yemen, where Al-Qaeda, which planned and executed uh, the most destructive, cowardly attack against the United States uh, since uh, the Japanese did it at Pearl Harbor, December 7, 1941, the Twin Towers. This Al-Qaeda has been forced... Because when America gets serious and we turn loose our special forces, then uh, the media doesn't go. And so all of a sudden we had completely freed because uh, the Taliban was running and no dope was coming out of Afghanistan. And so uh, Al-Qaeda now has 
uh, less than 50 uh, people in it. <laughs> so I, it makes me wonder what we're doing there. But in Yemen, Al-Qaeda has moved its hindquarters to Yemen. And so what are we doing? I think it's dumb uh, because they say, well, we're, we have to train uh, the Yemeni military. Let me tell you something. The Yemenese military, political, uh, whatever, sitting under the wrong end of a southbound camel, they don't like the United States. They have been taught since they were babes and came to realization of thought that America is the great Satan. So giving them $150 million, just means that there uh, will be more for training al-Qaeda. But it does mean that our door, their door is open to more and more American presence. I'm talking overt presence, which means special forces. Now, why do you think that the guy would park a car uh, in a Times Square that had been to the uh, Yemen bomb school and that this car uh, wasn't any more threat than anybody else's car that might have been double parked uh, in Times Square. Somebody did not teach him how the actual, how to put uh, components together so that they would detonate. What makes you think the guy with the tennis shoes didn't blow up? What about the kid uh, from Nigeria going to Detroit, tried to light his underwear on fire that had uh, petent in it? And, you know, it's all because somebody who is doing the training uh, isn't putting it all together. They're leaving out. It's like a, a uh, four-digit combination and somebody gives you uh, the first, second, and fourth number, it doesn't mean you're going to open the safe, does it? And so uh, as I uh, hear and see some of these things, I think, hmm, uh, let's, you know, let's not give them too much money. $150 million sounds crazy to me. By the way, I want to say uh, before we run out of time that uh, – Ted Sorensen, he was 82, so he had lived a full life. Uh, he died today. Now, you might not even remember Ted Sorensen, but he was JFK's uh, alter ego. He was JFK's writer. What is one of the most famous lines that JFK uh, is known for? Remember at his inauguration, he stated, Ask not what your country can do for you, but what you can do for your country. Well, Ed Sor Ted Sorensen, he wrote that. Theodore Sorensen was the writer, the ghost writer, the alter ego for JFK. So that wasn't, that wasn't JFK's genius. And now we've lost uh, Sorensen. He's gone. And uh, there's a lot of good people. By the way, they have determined that alcohol is more, and I believe this, I hate alcohol, 
He stole my very best friend, the smartest man I ever knew's life. It destroyed his family. Uh, he died naked uh, four days before anybody found his body in his own home. His family had deserted him. It was all because of this demon alcohol. Well, now they've come out and said that after exhaustive studies, alcohol has been found to be more dangerous than uh, crack cocaine, which I'd heard that crack was you know, awful, and heroin. So, friends, it's legal, isn't it? Uh, and uh, yet alcohol will continue uh, as a destroyer of human beings and social families, careers. Stay away from it. You're, if you go through the airports uh, starting today, uh, you're going to have people's fingers and hands on your body. Uh, they are doing pat-downs now as part you know, what happens is uh, these things like the, uh, the, the Yemen uh, patent and these new devices, this means that uh, thousands standing around in the airport security business, they get more and more liberties. You have left and left. So now ladies can expect, you know, to be patted down, meaning having your armpits uh, underneath your breasts, uh, and you know, and other uh, more private parts of your body uh, will be examined uh, for uh, things that may not be there. And you may, and, and that's just they don't have the machine that can look and see you. All right, all of you, please stay tuned to American Voice Radio. This has been Freedom Call, but there's other uh, excellent and good uh, programming coming your way. Upon their chest These are men America's best One hundred men Will test today But only three When the Green Beret Train to live American Voice Radio Network is heard on Galaxy 19 at 97 degrees west, transponder 23, frequency 12115, audio PID 2595. AVR is heard on the left side audio channel, and AVR2 is heard on the right side audio channel. Remember, both AVR and AVR2 are on Galaxy 19. Same network, double the choices. Most people realize their body needs clean water to function properly. Pure is the cleanest water, also known as distilled water. Some frauds pushing fake science and ignorant people repeating their disinformation and half-truths will tell you distilled water leaches minerals from the body. What they fail to tell you is distilled water only attracts and flushes inorganic minerals from your body. These are minerals your body cannot process and can interfere 
with your proper body functions. Distilled water does flush these inorganic materials from your body and is an effective and natural way to cleanse your body. ABR sells a distiller that distills one gallon every three and a half hours. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com, click on the Superstore, go to the distiller, check the pricing and how to order, and watch the video explaining in detail why distilled water is pure water. over 40%. Energy prices have increased over 20%. Wheat and gas prices have increased over 70%. What's going to be next? Do you see these trends reversing or even stabilizing? All fiat currencies have always failed and collapsed their economies on their way down. The Roman Empire, China, France, Argentina, Finland, Mexico, Russia, Zimbabwe all tried fiat currency and all collapsed into chaos. Meanwhile, the dollar has lost over 97% of its gold value since 1971, when an ounce of gold was valued at $35. If your assets are in paper, you are in danger. Protect your assets with gold and silver. Visit Discount Gold and Silver Trading at DGSCoins.com. That's DGSCoins.com or call 1-800-375-4188. That's 800-375-4188. Protect yourself and your family. Shanahan. This is the Condition Critical Show, and you're listening right here on American Voice Radio Network. This is my live show. It is Tuesday, November 3rd, just after 3 p.m. 
uh, still working with my sound. Maybe give me a couple of uh, give me a couple of in the chat room how it sounds, guys. Just to anybody, anyone. Uh, Frank says it sounds good, and I just I'm always concerned. I'm still trying to get this whole sound thing worked out. Uh, I did a Skype test call, and I'm doing all those things to kind of make the sound good. So just anybody in the chat room, just go ahead and chime off, sounds good or whatever. In the meantime, folks, let me get a couple of things out of the way here. I like to do this every week. I like to first post the donate link to this network. And there it is. It's a real easy thing to do, and I encourage you all to do so. Secondly, I'd like to do this every week as well. I'm going to post a link to my chat room, or my chat room, to my website. Yeah, that's good, Jay, my chat room. There we go. One second, folks. I'm using a different computer this week, a better one, actually, but uh, it's a couple of settings are a little bit different, so it's going to, I'm taking a little bit of time to kind of fumble through those. All right, there's my website. Go there. I post new articles weekly. I really try and do that. And sometimes I blow it up. I, I may sometimes even do like two or three. So check it out. It's a good way to get in touch with me. My email address is on there, and I encourage you all to go there and read it, the articles that I post, and leave comments, pro or con, good or bad. Tell me off, whatever you whatever you think. Anyway, so we have that. And before we continue on, the weather has changed, folks. It really has. Over the weekend, because I work over the weekend, my work week starts on Friday, so I work Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday. I probably told you guys that before I drive truck out here. And, and man, let me tell you, starting Friday, starting Friday, before I went to work, it, it started. And it actually came in a little later than they said, you know, because it it was just kind of sprinkling. I'm like, oh, this is kind of not what they said. But, boy, let me tell you, by about midnight, it was bad. I mean, it just poured. And, it, you know, it would pour for, I don't know, like a minute or whatever. And then it would just kind of sprinkle or, like, it would be kind of showery. And then, like, the wind picked up. Well, it did this. It did that for, like, almost two days. It would nonstop. I mean, streets were flooded. Trees were getting blown down. I'm like, okay, yeah, this is I get this is pretty impressive. I went up that night up to Oak Harbor, Washington, so you got to kind of go out on to an island over Deception Pass, and you know, on a semi going over that bridge. Let me tell you, uh, and it's a long way down. And you know, I'm not a very good swimmer, you know, and now you're in the Puget Sound, and you know, there's things in there that want to eat you, like giant octopuses and stuff like that. And man, I just want to get to the other side of the bridge, and this isn't like a freeway type of bridge, folks. I mean, this is literally like back road kind of a bridge, and, and there's two of them. And one of them, are, it's fairly long, and it's very narrow. I mean, so you're just tunnel vision, okay? You, you're not looking one way or the other. Not that it would matter because it's pitch black out. In the daytime, it's a, it's a cool view. You're, you're way up high up above Deception Pass, and it's a very, when you can see stuff, it's a, it's a good view. But you don't, want to there's no margin for error is what i'm trying to say i mean if you hit the the side and in any force especially in a semi well you're going in to drink man and you're going to be one big giant sinker you know kind of like on a fishing pole thing you know if you survive the, the landing because it's never the fall you know it's never the fall that, that that kills you it's generally always always the landing so 
I just kind of wanted to pass that on to you. And secondly, about the rain and what all, what it did is it, it really cooled things off. And, you know, people talk often about how this is like their favorite time of the year. And it is really for me as well. I've never been into the real extreme hot weather. And certainly now I've been out here in western Washington for more than 20 years, moved out here from southwestern Pennsylvania. And so I'm used to the, the, the weather that they have back there, especially in the summer, how it can just get very hot, very muggy, and very humid. And, you know, when you're young, and maybe that's one thing. I was never big into swimming, like going to the lakes and the rivers and, and so forth. So I was never really into that and, and and thus the hot weather. So out here in western Washington, things are just very temperate out here. They're very they're very mild and, and so I really do like this time of year. But it, it is quite cool today. I, I don't imagine I haven't checked the temperature, but I can't imagine that it's much past forty five, forty seven degrees. I mean I haven't checked. You guys can check. I live like in Tacoma, Washington. But it's more than that really because the air is very cool. It's not windy out. It's not breezy or anything like that. But it, the, the rain that over the weekend and so forth is just really, it just really cooled things off. And I'm okay with that. I'm not looking forward to the snow, which we don't get a lot here in, in western Washington down low where we sit. You have to literally go up into the mountains and then east of the mountains, which I've said this before. You're still in western Washington. It's, it's weird that if you just go on I-90 eastbound out of Seattle and you go 50 miles. You're up on top of Snoqualmie Pass, and then you go over the pass, and people consider that eastern Washington. And like I said before, you're you're nowhere near eastern Washington. You're at about the 55-mile marker on I-90. Okay, Spokane is like the 287 or so. The, the state line is, I forget, it's 307 miles to, to the Idaho border. But anyway, it's just kind of odd how they, it's kind of weird how people consider that to be eastern Washington. But nonetheless, and and nevertheless, the, the weather is vastly different when you, and it really is because what happens is, and I'm sure you guys know this, you know, it's it's how the, the weather kind of bounces off of the western slopes of the Cascades right there, and it just traps everything, and it just, it works. It works, and I'm okay with that. I'm okay with the weather not being hot. I'm certainly okay with not getting snow down low like they do over there and or up there. But we get it, oh, once a year, pretty much once a year, it seems. We we kind of get a, you know, we get a dusting or an inch or two. And, and sometimes, almost five, six years ago, I, we got hit pretty hard. And look, when it snows out here in, in the Seattle metropolitan area, Tacoma, so forth, you know, it's just a dusting. It's unbelievable. People literally... I kid you not, literally abandon their cars on the freeway. I mean, I'm talking with just a little itty-bitty bit of snow. It's unbelievable. So it was five, six, seven years ago when we had a real blizzard. I mean, a real blizzard. We had six, eight, nine feet of snow. It was, it was, like, it was like watching an episode of, like, The Walking Dead. You see the, the, the freeways, it, it, it looked like a parking lot. Just people just, like, stopped. And I wonder, I'm like, what do people, what do they do? They just get out of their car? Where do they live? They just walk home? Are they coming back? And I'm not talking like one or two cars. I'm talking hundreds, thousands of cars on I-5 in Seattle and Tacoma, on the Alaska Way Viaduct up in Seattle. It just looked like people were parked and walking to an event somewhere. In fact, this was a couple of years ago when we got just a little bit of snow up north of uh, Bellevue on 405, which is kind of 
east of Seattle, east of Lake Washington. It was, yeah, there was a few inches on the ground. And, of course, they don't take care of the roads out here like they do back east. And so I'm delivering to a store, and so I can't stop. I've got, I got chains on my semi, and I'm going, going along, heading north, northbound on I-405. And on the southbound side, people were just getting out of their cars and just, and it was bad. It was because they don't take care of the roads. They don't plow them. They just let them get all messed up, and people can't go anywhere. But it, it looked like, like I said, people were just getting out of their cars and walking to an event. They're just, like, walking down the center of the freeway. I'm just marveling at this. I'm like, this is just insane out here, how people can't drive in the snow or just even a little bit of slippery roads. Even when it rains, like over the weekend, there were multiple wrecks, bad wrecks, where traffic was backed up for five and ten miles for significant amounts of time because a little bit of rain falls and people, I don't know, they it turns off some kind of a common sense mechanism in their brain and it's it's not good. So that's not the that's not a good part about the the change in weather for me at least as a as a truck driver because I have to we have to deal with that and it is very frustrating. So anyway, I'll go on and on. Let me start this week. And you know I don't know if it was last week or the week before. It, it doesn't matter. I'll, I'll, I'll reiterate just for the sake of it. You know how I said you can look at, you can just say go to a website, and you know how you'll go to a website and there'll just be, you know, like a headline and then just a bitty little portion of the article, right? And you just go down and read the headlines, and this one says that and this one says that, and how they're all bad and it's all full of cultural Marxist, Marxism and brainwashing, and that's true. Well, well, that's kind of what I want. And I'm not going to muckrake a whole bunch of articles. I'm, I'm really not. I'm going to mention a few. And I'm not fed up about this recently. I, I've been fed up about this for a long time. And it's about race. It's about blacks. I don't call them African Americans. I call them blacks. Check this out now. I'm going to digress just for a moment here. And the reason I don't call them African Americans is because I believe that's a cultural Marxist term for, the, for blacks, that they created. And now over the years it's become kind of accepted and kind of less cultural Marxist even. It's kind of become uh, kind of generic and whatever. But I don't use it. I call them blacks. And and look, I, I can maybe take a lot of criticism for that, but, but fine. And there, But there's another one out there. There's another one out there, and I'm going to get into this. And I'll, I'll just kind of come up front with it. It's person of color. That's like kind of the new one. That's the new cultural Marxist phrase for, I guess, blacks. And to me, it makes no sense. A person of color? I say to myself, what, what does that mean? Uh, I'm white. Am I not a person of color? Isn't, like, everyone kind of a person of color? Well, I guess not. I guess white's not a color. I, I, and so I, kind of being flippant, say that I, I must be a person without color. And I even sometimes say I'm not I'm not white. Like I I'm looking at, I have a a tablet here that I take notes on and you know the sheets of paper on this they are white. That's not how my skin is. I'm more of a uh I don't know what is it what do you call it guys? Peach or whatever. So it's just absurd. And then here's another thing about this whole person of color thing. About how these cultural marxists will and will hammer you with this stuff and then they get you to say it, right? And then these black people, right, they must be howling. They must be howling, thinking, man, we could make anything up. Just come up 
I'm not, see, I'm not that clever, and neither are they. Somebody else is doing the thinking for them. I'm not that clever to think of like, like, a, like a really absurd term for blacks, like person of color. Like they had to really think of that. But, but they have it, right? And people say it. And, and it's white liberals. You know, they're, they're on, they get on the news and, oh, we offended a person of color today. And, and just the way they say it. And yet I can see these blacks sitting on the, back in their easy chair, just howling, thinking, man, we got them to say that. That's unbelievable. We could think of anything. Think of a, the most absurd racial, like, term, right? And we'll, we can get them to say it. Just whatever. You guys, because like I said, I'm not that clever, like right here on the radio, to kind of come up with one. But that's, what it's, that's where we are. That's where we are in today's society, where these blacks, they say jump, and stupid white liberals say how high. And it's everywhere. And like I said, I wasn't going to muckrake these articles, and I'm not really. Here's a headline. Supreme Court takes up racial discrimination in jury selection. And now they're using, the example they're using is a guy named, where, let me get his name here, Timothy Foster, who in 1987 uh, murdered, here it is here, Foster, who was black, was swiftly convicted of murdering, murdering an elderly white woman. I would add, as a cultural Marxist, an unarmed elderly white woman. That's what I would add, but they didn't do that. And so he was swiftly convicted and sentenced to death. And they go on in this article that, and there's some statistics in there, if there were, had been more black people on the jury, and they put percentages out there. Now, look, I don't have to read those out to you. What do you think would happen, guys? Because this is what they want. This is what they want. They don't want there to be, like, any real diversity. They want the jury to be all black. Let me ask a question, show of hands. If the jury had been all black in this guy's case, what do you think would have happened? You think they would have convicted him to, to life, maybe, for, for murdering an unarmed elderly white woman, probably raped her, too? Do you think they would have sentenced him to life? Do you think maybe they would have gave, given him 25 years? Okay, show of hands, hold on. One more. Do you think maybe they would have gave him, like, 5 to 10? No, I'll tell you what would have happened. They would have acquitted him. Period. Does the, do you guys remember the, uh, the phrase, if the glove don't fit? You must acquit. Do you think in your right mind that if that had been an all-black jury, they would have convicted this guy? Are you out of your mind? Yeah. Not guilty. Back to the ghetto with you so you can go rape and murder other unarmed white people. You piece of garbage. But this is what they do. Now, that's one article. Here's another one. I'm sure you've all heard about the white police officer, and I believe it was South Carolina. He was fired. For and there's uh, they show the video and look, okay, this is a that's kind of different because look that's what cops do to people if you don't listen to them they brutalize you. Now there's another dynamic in play here. This girl, black girl in school, you know how public schools are. The inmates run the asylum, right? The, multiple teachers told her to put her phone down. Administrators, put your phone down. Finally, because nowadays we have to have a school resource officer. In other words. We got the cops in the schools because does that make any sense to you? Why would you need police officers in the school unless they're going there to, like, recruit or say, hey, I'm a, I'm Sheriff uh, Bob, and I'm here to tell you what I did today and how, how my job goes. No, no, they're there to maintain in school, maintain peace in a public school setting. Anyway, this black girl, of course, she's defiant and ignorantly so. Why? Well, because she's black. And 
and she's a public school student. She's a child and all this. She's got, she's got all the cards, man. Anyway, he brutalized her, and so he was fired. Well, anyway, they were talking about it on The View, you know, the one with Whoopi Goldberg, that piece of garbage, and, and that idiot white liberal, what's her name, uh, Joy Behar, whatever her name is, anyway. Well, there's a, another host on there. Her name's Raven Simone. She's, she looks like a black woman. She looks mixed race to me, but you know how it is when you're mixed race and you're black, or if you're, you know, you, you know if you got, like, white mother, you know, black father, you they, I'm black, you know. That's just too convenient. But anyway, surprisingly, though, this Raven Simone, and, you know, maybe I'll post it. She kind of says, hey, whoa, wait a minute here, man. Uh, let's back up. We, we didn't, we don't have all the facts. We do know that she was being disruptive and multiple people and this and that. Well, now they have, there's a petition drive out there, and they want this person gone. They want her off there. And here's a quote. Here's a quote. This stuck out to me. And this is a quote from, and they don't give the name of the person or the organization. Maybe they do, that, that, that has formed this petition to get her off the air. And it goes like this, quote, African-Americans and black people around the And I, I suddenly have lost it. Here it is again. They, it says they need a voice representative of their views and not a voice representative of what white people want us to say. We need strong black role models in prominent positions on television, and Raven Simone cannot provide that. As soon as I read that, I'm like, really? Fine. Great. That's great. That's what you want? I agree. You know what? White people need the same thing. White people need strong white people out there that uh, look out for their views. Okay. Their views and their views only, and, and strong role models and all that stuff. I adhere to the 14 words, guys. You ever heard of the 14 words? You can look it up. And it goes like this. We must secure the existence of our people and a future for white children. That's what I believe. That's what I believe. I've come to the conclusion, not today, not today. I've felt this way for a very long time, and I'm a fair person. I'm a, I'm a very fair person. I've, this is my conclusion. We cannot live together in harmony. We're just not the same. And I furthermore believe, and this is something that I'm not a Bible scholar, perhaps maybe someday I'll ask Pastor Mike about this because he's, he's the expert on this, but I don't believe we were meant to live together. Look, I've said it before, I have black neighbors on this street, and I get along excellent with Joe. He's a uh, retired Master Sergeant from the Army, and he'll pull up in front of my drive. He'll go out of his way to wave to me, and I will do the same thing to him. But I, at the end of the day, it's, you know, at the end of the day, there's not enough good people like me and good people like Joe, and that's unfortunate, that one day Joe and I might have to stand in front of one another and say, it ain't working out, man. I know, Joe. There's just too many forces of evil, and it's on the left. It's the cultural Marxist. It's not the white people. It's in his community. He might not want to admit that. Guys, have you ever heard the term or the phrase, there goes the neighborhood, like when a black person moves in? I know that's kind of racist, and you're not supposed to say that. Ooh, you're such a racist. But you know what? You know what? Uh, when the Beverly Hillbillies move in next door, you don't really hear that, do you? I'm just asking, a show of hands. When the Beverly Hillbillies move in next door, the people say, there goes the neighborhood. Yeah, they might hang an engine block from their tree. Yeah, they might build a, a fence that, that's, that gets broken and, and the dog gets out. Yeah, they may do some of those things. But you don't hear people say, there goes the neighborhood, like when the black family moves in. Hey, man, I'm, I didn't just make that up. 
do I do I want it to be that way? Am I glad that it's that way? Of course not. But it's that way, and I didn't make it that way. The black people have made it that way, and they continue to do so. I think I told the story years ago when I first moved out here. I used to ride my bike all over the city of Seattle, all over. Well, I wasn't afraid to go through the black neighborhoods, and I did, even after this one incident in broad daylight going up on the hilltop district, Capitol Hill, uh, going kind of down the street. Now I'm going cutting through the projects. Here come this horde of black, little black kids, and they're running towards me from afar, but still coming out, and I didn't really, you know, put two and two together right away. Oh, okay, kids playing, they're going to maybe run over to the park or something. No, they were running towards me, and they started throwing rocks at me. Yeah, yeah. Now, I didn't, like, like a scared white liberal just take off. I didn't stop either and, you know, and make a spectacle of myself because, I mean, I'm not Superman. But, you know, I just kind of, I was on a mountain bike, and I just kind of rode through the area. But that always stuck in my mind. What do you think would happen today if a black kid was walking down this street where I live and I walked out of my garage and started throwing rocks at him? Well, I can tell you what would happen. I'd have CNN helicopters. I, it would be unbelievable. I'd have to quit my job. I'd have to move away, change my name. My kids, I would have to have private security go snatch my kids up out of school so some blacks didn't go murder them because they feel that they can just do that. It's just over, folks. It's been over for a long time. And, you know, these articles are everywhere, everywhere in the paper. Dusty Baker, a former successful manager for the Cincinnati Reds and San Francisco Giants. The article, the headline of the article is, Major League Baseball has a, like a, a minority manager problem again. You know, it's not enough, you know, that one is a manager or two or three or sometimes none. That doesn't matter to them. They want all of the jobs. And if they don't have each and every one of those jobs, well, then it's racist. Well, you know what? Go to hell. Go to hell. I'm for segregating it again. Hey, you want your black league? And they even say that 40% or more of the league is made up of, now they say, uh, foreign-born and minorities, U.S.-born minorities, they always do that. And that's funny, too, how they do stuff like that. If they can't, like, get true numbers, they'll kind of add things and to make it to kind of increase their, their numbers, you know. It's unbelievable. And if you just listen, if you just open your ears and listen, you will hear these things. You'll hear them, too. It's like you're not supposed to say black anymore, right? You're supposed to say African-American or person of color. Well, what do you think would happen if, what do you call a white guy from South Africa and he comes to the United States? Is he an African-American? I bet you if he identifies as an African-American, they're going to say, you can't be an African-American. And he'd say, well, why? And they'd say, well, well, you're not black. And I would say, whoa, well, wait a minute. What do you mean I'm not black? I thought we weren't supposed to use that term anymore. Which is it? And then they get caught. They don't, oh, oh, uh, well, uh, well, then you're not a person of color. And I would say, what do you mean I'm not a person of color? I'm white. Is that not a color? I'm at least peach or something. What, what's going on here? Well, what's going on, folks, and I know we're getting close to break. What's going on is, is that things have been out of control. We have a half-black president who masquerades. And after we get back from the break, I, I'm, I have one more thing to say about this. So I'll wait till after the break until, we, in, until I do this. Uh, go ahead and enjoy the music, folks. 
I'm a little early, I know. I know, Frank, I'm a, I'm a little early. I'm getting better at this. I do have your clock right there. So after the break, folks, we will uh, continue on with this. I'll see you all after the break. There's a tale, a tale down in Old Wolf County.
Ancient prophetic texts warn us that in the last days there will be wars and rumors of war, famines, pestilence, earthquakes in many places, and troublesome times, men fainting from fear from what is coming upon the earth. Even though these words were penned almost 2,000 years ago, we can readily see that this dire warning is applicable in the days in which we are living in now. Days of Chaos, a new book by L.A. Marzulli, exposes what is happening in the Middle East, the Fukushima disaster, the mysterious animal and fish die-off, the rise of the 8.0 and greater earthquake, the coming one world government, the collapse of the U.S. dollar, UFO activity, and so much more. Days of Chaos has the information you need in these troublesome times. Don't be afraid of these events. Come to an understanding of why they are happening as they were prophesied long ago. These are the Days of Chaos. Go to www.lamarzuli.net www.lamarzuli.net These are the Days of Chaos. Countries have denied Internet access for their people during civil strife. The FCC seized in-use commercial shortwave frequencies right after the September 11th attacks. No one communication system can be depended on to be there when you need information. You need choices. You need a KU band free-to-air satellite system from AVR. The AVR system includes a receiver, an LNB, and a 75-centimeter dish. All you need to get on your own is the coaxial cable. The system is delivered to your door for $149. $49.99. That's right, delivered for $149.99. That's the shipping and the system, $149.99. Call 541-225-4659. That's 541-225-4659. Or visit AmericanVoiceRadio.com and click Satellite System. Studies have shown that the farm soil we get our vegetables from is dead, meaning it is depleted of minerals. Sulfur is a mineral. Sulfur has been depleted from the soil, which means most people have been depleted of sulfur. Sulfur has been found to transport oxygen throughout the body. You need oxygen. You need organic sulfur. American Voice Radio Network has organic sulfur. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com and then to the Superstore to order your organic sulfur. It's your choice. Do you want to feel better or not? Don't forget to tune in to the Sulfur Hour Plus One on AmericanVoiceRadio.com, Thursdays, 6 p.m. Pacific. Keep up with 
the times But our skills are not needed Have streamlined the job And we're slaves Rule and stop Watch our blind They are all dying But when the sky darkens And the prospect is war Who's given a gun And then pushed to the fore And expected to die For the land of our birth So we Never owns one handful of air. We're the first ones to stand. We're the first ones to die. We're the first ones in line for that pie in the sky. And we're and the cream is shaved out For the worker is working When the fat cat's about dying All of these things The worker has done From tilling the fields To carrying the gun We've been yoked to the plow Since time first began I always expected To carry the can Okay, folks, welcome back to the second half of the Condition Critical Show for Tuesday, the 3rd of November, 2015. It is about 38 minutes past the hour out here. And you are listening on the American Voice Radio Network. I mentioned there's people in chat, but for those of you that don't go in there and didn't listen to the show, I I certainly appreciate it, but you you should go into the chat room. It's easy to do. Go to theamericanvoiceradio.com, and on the left-hand side, you'll see some links some tabs, and, and one of them says chat, and Frank explains it often, but it is very simple. If I can do it, believe me, and there's some in this, on this network that they will agree with that. If I can do it, certainly with the computer, others can. And you can go in there and ask questions and all that stuff like Frank says. Uh, I don't know that I need to, but I will. Just to be a bit redundant here, I'm going to, uh, once again, copy the link for my uh, website. There you go. That's in there. Let me move this out of the way, folks. Hold on a second. Okay, there's that. And then secondly, the donate link for this network. Real easy to do. I've said this before. It, that is real easy to do. So there you go. Okay. Oh, well, you know, the music. I noticed some comments in the chat room. The first song was Bluegrass. That was a band called Hot Rise. They're kind of a, like a progressive. They're called Bluegrass, kind of progressive. Bluegrass, I liked it. I like a lot of their stuff. The second one is, guys, he's one of my favorites. He's an Irish folk singer. His name is Dick Goggin. And I'll play more of his stuff in the in the future. And if you listen to the words of that song, it can, it's pretty, it can get you, you know, get your blood boiling just a bit because he really, you know, he really puts it out there. So, that's who that was. Second song was Dick Goggin. Check him out. Okay, let's continue on. Let's kind of wrap this up about race, this conversation about race. You know the one that famously Eric Holder said that we need to have? 
which is absurd because that's all they talk about. That's all they talk. They're obsessed. These black people are completely obsessed with race. Everything is about race. If you're walking down the, the left-hand side of the street, that's racist. If you, if, you, if you go into the store and use the right-hand door instead of the left-hand door, that'd be racist. Everything is racist to them because they're morons. They can't think for themselves. That's why, that's why their communities, on top of other things, on top of a whole host of other things, but I believe their, their, their obsession with racism is one of the major components that is holding them back. And we'll continue to hold them back until they wake the hell up and stop letting themselves be drug around the nose by a ring. Okay, you have this Rachel Dolezal. You guys remember her? She was that nitwit white woman from Spokane who somehow got to be head of the, the local chapter of the NAACP. Hey, whatever. Which, by the way, isn't that unusual to have a white person to be head of a black organization? There's nothing really uh, abnormal really about that. But what was really kind of odd about the whole thing is she, how she identified as a, as a, you know, she said she was an African-American. Okay. Well, and I'll get into that in a second here. Well, she went on a show, and why she would put herself through this, I have no idea. I can't think of the name of the show. It's one of these goofy daytime shows, and I don't have the article, because it's been all over the place. You guys have probably heard about it. She went on this one show, and this, some black female, her name's Braxton. She's Tony Braxton's sister. I guess that's a singer. Can't think of her name. Anyway, in the audio, you can, you know, you can pull it up on the Internet, guys. Look it up for yourself. They're, she is just grilling this. And, hey, I, get, I, I give this Rachel Dolezal credit. She hung in there. She hung in there. She didn't stutter her words. She stood her ground. But this woman kept asking her to, uh, you know, kept demanding of her how she identified. And she was doing it in the whole ghetto way that they do. How, how you, you think you is this? You tell me what you is. And she was, like, demanding it from this. And this girl was like, uh, no, I'm a, I'm a, you know, this is who I am. And race is just a social construct and blah, blah, blah. She's going on and on and on. And I'm saying to myself, wait a minute here. Wait a minute. You're... You're P.O.'d at this girl for going around masquerading, as you say, as, as a black woman. How about, and I've said it before and I'm going to say it again, we have a president who masquerades around as a black guy. He's not a black guy. How many times do I have to say it? Am I the only one that thinks that way? I don't call him a black guy. I, I got some other things I could call him, which I'm not going to do on this network. He's not a black guy. He's mixed race. He's neither black nor he's white. But he masquerades as a black guy, and he gets away with it. Why? Because I've said it before. It's just too convenient, man. Why would you identify as a white person? Where's that going to get you? That ain't going to get you nowhere. But if you can say, hey, man, I'm a black guy. And this, and this, this dawned on me, not like suddenly, but they're all over this Rachel Dolezal for masquerading as, as a black woman, right? Well, hold on a second here. So they're mad because she's pretending to be something she's not. Okay. All right, fine. Well, how come then, how come then little boys and boys, and, and, and they can, how come they can go around masquerading as girls? And that's, 
that's A-OK. Not only is it A-OK, man, that's great. We need to, that needs to be front and center. Or girls can masquerade around as boys if they want. Today, I think I want to sit down and pee, you know, and, or maybe tomorrow. And here's how it is, really. Just whatever's convenient. Today, if, if it's convenient for me, if I'm a boy, to sit down and pee today, I'll do so. But tomorrow, if it's not convenient, well, then I'll stand up and pee. Look, this whole notion that you can be anything that you want to be, and this is what they, that's the whole mantra with this whole psycho, uh, freakish, demented, absurd, homosexual tripe, okay? That's what it is. Oh, you can just be anybody you want to be. You be who you are and blah, blah, blah. Well, how about Rachel Dolezal? Doesn't she get to be who she wants to be? What she should have done was said, I identify as a, a, as a man, a black homosexual man. Then they would have, then what would they have done? Oh, oh wait, that's a trap. Then they'd have to think. They'd have to, as they were rushing to the front to attack her, they would have to, the cultural Marxists would have to, like, with the bugle and call them back. Whoa, whoa, hold on, man. Hold on, we got to think about this. Now, wait, what did she do? Okay, and they're gonna, they would jot things down. Okay, she said what? Hmm, okay, we got to think of this now. We're going to be very careful here. We've got to be very careful how we attack this person now because she, she used homosexual, and they would there, so that creates a whole new dynamic. Look, look. This whole notion that you can be anything that you want to be, and you hear it all the time, and it's sickening, and it's not only sickening, it's absurd. Hey, man, I would like to be an offensive lineman for the Seattle Seahawks. But guess what? I'm like 50, almost one years old, and I weigh about 205 or so pounds, and you know I don't run real fast. And so, no, you can't just be anything you want to be, okay? And look... In order to be anything that you want to be, first, you have to do one thing, and it's real easy. You just have to be who you are. What's wrong with being who you are? Hey, man, this is who I am. I'm okay with that. But when you want to change that dynamic, like Obama parades around, masquerades around, he's a fraud on many levels, on many levels, but certainly one of them, he's not a black guy. He's not. He's mixed race. He's neither. And that's just, that's mildly one of the things that he masquerades doing. That's just, that's, I'd let, I'll let him, hey, if that's all he was doing, great, but it's not. So, you in order to be, you know, yourself, in order to be the best person that you can be, in order to, to be the best that you can be, you have to just first be yourself. And I ask the question, what's wrong with that? I don't think there's anything wrong with that. But we're caught up in all this nonsense, folks. It's just nonsense. And there's just not enough, I believe, good people left. And I believe it's over. It's over. This is, you hear it on this network, how it's a spiritual battle. Man, it is. It is. And we need to fight back harder. We need to do whatever we can. And there may not be anything we can do. And that's, I know it sounds defeatist, and I, I vacillate between not being that way and and then at times thinking, man, it's just too far in the ditch. There's not enough, like I said, there's not enough good people out there. Like my black neighbor, him and I get along famously. We get along great. But at the end of the day, the forces of evil, they're just too great. Should I give up completely? Well, I don't want to, folks. I don't want to. But it's, 
it's out of hand. And I just thought I'd bring that all to your attention this week. If people just wake up, I don't, I don't talk differently around blacks. I just don't do it. And when they say something, when, like, because you know how they are, they're always looking to be offended. They all just are. They're always looking to be offended. You'll say something. Just comment on like a commercial. Why would you say that? What do you mean by that? I don't play that game. I don't play it. I stop them in their tracks. I say things like, you're only asking me that because I'm white, or you only said that because I'm white. And that, they don't know what to do then. They're, oh, wait a minute. they got to think in their feeble mind, wait a minute, I can't buffalo this white guy. I can't bully him around. I just can't for no reason, because this guy's got like half of a brain. And I don't pretend to be all that smart, okay? But that's what I tell him. So you're only saying that because I'm white, or you only said that because I'm white. Why'd you ask me that? Like, I have tattoos, I do, and, and, and I do regret them. If I had to do it all over again, I wouldn't. Many of them are military-related, but that's beside the point. I have a couple that are ethnically related. Like, I have a Celtic cross on my hand, and a, a, a black guy at work saw it. When I was first there, he, and I saw him looking at it, because I've, I've had him be- ask me the question before, and he asked, what is that? He asked, he, he looked, because he was looking at it. And I'm like, well, why do you ask? And, you know, and I knew where he was going because everything to them is an Aryan Nation tattoo. You know, it, 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 it doesn't matter what it is because they're feeble in their thinking. They don't, you know. So he was just trying to, you know, he was, he was thinking, no, I'm just going. This guy, he's a white guy. He's, he, you know, he's bald. He's got a shaved head because I'm going bald, right? And so he's probably thinking because he's in his feeble mind that I'm Aryan Nations or something. Which, by the way, I'm not. But by the way, again, if I were, that's my business, okay? That'd be my business. I mean, they get to join the Black Panthers and the, the uh, N, what is it, uh, NAACP. I always want to say NCAA, which actually is kind of the same thing. Uh, now that you mention that, they're kind of, kind of the same there, if you think about it. But anyway, I don't know where I was going with that. Yeah, he, he, he looked at my tattoo, and I just said, why, why do you ask? I mean, what are you, you're only asking because I'm white? I forget exactly, but I put it kind of in those terms, and he just, I mean, he just, he didn't know what to say, and I just kind of walked away. Hey, man, whatever, dude. You're barking up the wrong tree here, pally, okay? You go bully someone else. You ain't doing it to me. And so, of course, we don't talk, and that's been nearly, well, it's been over three years ago, and that's fine. The guy's a racist. He, they're, they're all, he's always looking for a reason to be offended. Okay, I, I'm going to end with this. But I'm going to say it again. We must secure the existence of our people and a future for white children. And I don't care if that offends people. I, I don't care. I like my race just like they like theirs. I don't say we must secure the existence of our people and a future for white children at the expense of them. But they do the same. But they say that to us. I don't say that. I would rather we could live together in harmony and peace. But we can't because they won't let us. And yes, they. I know they're being manipulated by the cultural Marxists. And those are all, all white, fake Jews. Filthy, filthy, disgusting, beady-eyed, rat-claw, fake Jews. There you go. And if that's anti-Semitic, I don't care. I don't care. Go to hell. That's what we need to say to them. I am tired of it. I'm tired of it. And I had another. I had one more topic today. I'll close on that. I'll close on that because I think enough has been said. 
Well, hold on. I don't think enough has been said. But at least for today's show, at least as far as I go, I hope I've made myself perfectly clear. Okay. Now, the second topic I wanted to talk about, and it's kind of an ongoing topic, and it kind of dovetails somewhat with the first topic, kind of. And it's about, obviously, the government. Well, what did they do? What was it last week? They passed a budget, right? Look, we, we rail on the government, and Ted Cruz went on the floor of the Senate, and I was going to have Frank play the video. And, you know, it's like an audio on YouTube. You don't really need to watch the video. It's a, it's a pretty good speech. You know how they do. But they, he doesn't believe what he says either. And he rails on Congress about the budget and how we're uh, selling our kids' future and blah, this, that, and the other thing. And Look, man, the government is going to do what they want until we make them stop. It's really that simple. I can do seven hours worth of a show on what we should do and what we could do differently and how we could do this over here and we should say this and write that and make this phone call and do that. Bottom line is they are going to do what the hell they want to do until we stop them. Until we stop them. I'm going to say it one more time. They're going to do what they do, period, until we stop them. That's pretty simple. Okay? Check this out. And this is how, and this, and, and this is an example of how they're just going to do what the hell they want to do. I heard a, a, a little news account on, uh, it was some commentary, that was the day before yesterday or something like that, about Congress, members of Congress. And I think the percentage was, it was high, it was like 80%. It was like, and they, it was, and they were, uh, it was like a kind of a brief little interview with uh, Paul Ryan. And they asked him, you know, are, you know, so now you're the speaker, so now are you going to like live in, in the chambers or something like that? And he like admitted, well, I do already. And then it comes out that uh, during the week he, he stays at the Capitol building or in the, the whatever, I, I guess his office or, or something like that. And the commentator's like, well, you know, if you look at it, the average cost of a, of a one-bedroom apartment in Washington, D.C., and he said it was $23,000. He said, well, you know, and they don't make that much money, I guess, and so forth and so on. And, and then he goes on to say that many of the, the congressmen take showers in the, like at the Capitol gym or something like that. And I'm just like, whoa, man, hold the phone. Hold the phone, man. Uh, let me, you, why don't you try that? Like, say open a business up, uh, and like, I don't know, Frank, downtown Eagle Point or Medford, go open a business up, right? And then, like, kind of just start staying there, like, like you live there. Uh, how long do you think it would take before some smart government official noticed that you're, you were using your business as a place of residency? How, how, how long do you think you would get away with that? You might get away with it for a while. You might even get away with it forever. But I doubt it. I'm guessing that, well, because somebody would probably rat you out. Some idiot that saw something and had to say something. Then the tax man would come a call. He's wait, is this your business, Frank? Well, yeah, this is uh, my broom uh, store and so forth and vacuum cleaners. Uh, well, I notice you're living here and you people. And is this a residence now? That, that that's a whole new dynamic. Now we we got to tax you this way. You got to get a permit for this, that, and everything. How then can our members of Congress? Is that what we pay them for? I mean, they're already not doing their job. We already know that. But so what now? Now they just get to live there too. 
What, just because the cost of an apartment is $23,000, that that's too much for them? What about the Joe, the working man? What about the apartment he can't afford? Can he just, like, stay at work? Can he go to his boss and say, uh, hey, uh, boss, I was noticing the other day the broom closet. It's a bit small. And could you turn the heat up? And the boss would be go, well, what do you mean? What are you talking about? Oh, and hey, man, uh, there's no hot water in, in the shower in the back room. What? What are you talking about there, Jay? Well, yeah, you know. It just costs a lot of money to rent an apartment, and I kind of live far away, so I thought during the week I'd just stay here. Can, can the average person do that? Uh, no, the average person can't do that. But they do. That's how blatant those parasites, and I'm putting it mildly, that's how blatant they are in our face. And they're just laughing at us. And I've said it before, folks, I don't like getting my butt kicked like this. Okay, I don't. It'd be one thing if they were doing their job. That would be, look, it would be different if they were really doing their job and they were fighting tooth and nail and they were getting the deficit down and the debt and they were creating, and I hate to use that phrase, creating jobs, because the government doesn't create jobs, but you know what I mean, and they were really doing the function of government, protecting our borders and not going off and bombing villages back into the third, fourth, and fifth Stone Age and so forth. That would be one thing. Right? Like, hey, man, those guys are really, they're really working for us, man. And it, it, so we come some slack. But that's not how it is. That's not how it is. They're robbing us blind. They're robbing us silly. They're rubbing our noses in it. And it, it just angers me. You have no idea. And like I said, they're not going to stop until we stop them. And I know people don't like to hear this. And I've been told, Jay, hold on. Easy with the gun talk. You're scaring people. It's, look, I'm not the one that wants to do this. I would rather not. And I'm sure none of us would. Nobody wants it to come to that. They're pushing us there. They're going to get more than they bargained for. I guarantee you they're going to get more than they bargained for. That's why they want the guns. That's why they want the guns. They don't care that black kids, white kids, purple, brown, polka dot or otherwise are being killed in either city or wherever. They don't care about that. They want them guns because they know th they know those guns are going to one day put them down like the filthy dogs that they are. That's why they want the guns. Well, we're at the end of the show. Let's take a Radio Network is heard on Galaxy 19 at 97 degrees west, transponder 23, frequency 12115, audio PID 2595. AVR is heard on the left side audio channel, and AVR2 is heard on the right side audio channel. Remember, both AVR and AVR2 are on Galaxy 19. Same network, double the choices.
Countries have denied Internet access for their people during civil strife. The FCC seized in-use commercial shortwave frequencies right after the September 11th attacks. No one communication system can be depended on to be there when you need information. You need choices. You need a KU band free-to-air satellite system from ABR. The ABR system includes a receiver, an LNB, and a 75-centimeter dish. All you need to get on your own is the coaxial cable. The system is delivered to your door for $149.99. That's right, delivered for $149.99. That's the shipping and the system, $149.99. Call 541-225-4659. That's 541-225-4659. Or visit AmericanVoiceRadio.com and click Satellite System. Prices have increased over 40%. Energy prices have increased over 20%. Wheat and gas prices have increased over 70%. What's going to be next? Do you see these trends reversing or even stabilizing? All fiat currencies have always failed and collapsed their economies on their way down. The Roman Empire, China, France, Argentina, Finland, Mexico, Russia, and Zimbabwe all tried fiat currency and all collapsed into chaos. Meanwhile, the dollar has lost over 97% of its gold value since 1971 when an ounce of gold was valued at $35. If your assets are in paper, you are in danger. Protect your assets with gold and silver. Visit Discount Gold and Silver Trading at DGSCoins.com That's DGSCoins.com or call 1-800-375-4188 That's 800-375-4188 Protect yourself and your family. Studies have shown that the farm soil we get our vegetables from is dead, meaning it is depleted of minerals. Sulfur is a mineral. Sulfur has been depleted from the soil, which means most people have been depleted of sulfur. Sulfur has been found to transport oxygen throughout the body. You need oxygen. You need organic sulfur. American Voice Radio Network has organic sulfur. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com and then to the Superstore to order your organic sulfur. It's your choice. Do you want to feel better or not? Don't forget to tune in to the Sulfur Hour Plus One on AmericanVoiceRadio.com, Thursdays, 6 p.m. Pacific. heart condition and emergency rooms and medical doctors are not an option, you need our emergency heart attack kit. Five concentrated liquid formulas enter the system in 60 seconds to protect your heart muscle, strengthen heartbeat, increase circulation, relieve pain, and make breathing easier. When seconds count, you want all the help you can get with our emergency heart attack kit. Easy to use and portable in a one-pound compact kit for your purse, briefcase, or car. Call Apothecary Herbs now for your emergency heart attack kit, toll-free, 866-229-3663. That's 866-229-3663. International callers dial 704-875-8010 or order online at the three W's dot thepowerherbs.com. One, two, three, two, three. 
resident herbalist.